This episode of How To Wrestling was requested by Spencer Everhart, one of our amazing backers over on patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. If you want to get access to some exclusive audio goodies, a lot more content from me and Joe, and support the show and help it get made, you can do so by becoming a backer over at patreon.com slash howtowrestling. Become just a $5 backer now to get access to our entire back catalogue of bonus exclusive pay-per-view reviews, as well as a lot more goodies. You get over 40 episodes of those, as as well as our brand new series, How to Revisit It, where Joe and I go back to the start, revisit all of our old episodes, and see how the story has continued in the years since it was recorded. There's a lot to get your hands on, and definitely a lot of value for money if you support the show and become a backer over on Patreon. But for now, enjoy this episode. It's How to PWG. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Hello, everyone, once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Mann, Diddly D. This episode is How To PWG, joined alongside by my F, preceded by a G, it's Joanna Graham. E. E. Hello. E. And an E to you as Hi. well. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing on this fine summer's day, Joe? It's beautiful, isn't it? It's a good, it's a good day. We've had some uh, fun times learning about lots of new amazing wrestlers recently, and today we've got a very exciting one, have we not? We have PWG Pro Wrestling Gorilla, not Gorilla the Animal. Yeah, no, there may have been a miscommunication with the artwork there where... <laughs> I mean, I wanted to have an IRA soldier with a cagey look, look in his eyes <laughs> using Gorilla Warfare to defeat the British. It's a deliberate play on words, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It is definitely a play on words. I've done some really fun episodes recently. I know you didn't enjoy maybe the rules and whatnot that we were doing with war games, but I know that Sandman was an episode we've done recently, which is... Uh, really really resonated a lot with fans and every single uh, week comes by we seem to get lots of messages who are like hey i like sandman now or i saw sandman's twitter and that's the cutest thing but i think we may have reached peak sandman cuteness yeah we got a fantastic tweet from x adam dugger x saying got to meet sandman last night nicest guy carried a case of beer through the crowd instead of his pockets politely asked people if they wanted a drink when he came by that's so nice he's all like grown up and nice now he's not smashing them he's handing them out he's included a picture and he's wearing a lovely salmon shirt he is goodness gracious looking very well very well does sandman look i think sandman has now got himself a secondary career as just like the nice man who comes to the wrestling show it's like oh shit we're all gonna get a nice treat now like you know <laughs> i bought you kids those beers you like oh uncle sandman you're the best he's the best isn't he coming out with his nice case of beers they're not the ones we wanted but it's okay anyway he's trying he's being nice he just wants to make sure the kids have a nice time yeah sand dad sand dad or dad man dad what's better hashtag sand dad hashtag dad man let us know if you are the sand man you're listening to this it's a free rebrand you know view us as being like queer eye for the straight guy we've come in we've given you a rebrand as a cuddly wrestler for these trying times for people to enjoy 
Yeah, it's good. It's what the people need these days. Yeah. A nice tall glass of water. He is that sad man. So, Joe, today we're talking about Pro Wrestling Gorilla, PWG, which is a name which you may have heard before. I mean, is it one that you've heard talked about much on wrestling Twitter since you started watching wrestling or seen around much? No, I don't think I have at all, really. The only time I think I even remember coming across PWG was when we did our episodes on the Young Bucks. Oh, yes, we did a... Uh a match from PWG there, yes, with the Young Bucks and Candice and Joey Ryan, yeah. Any other P- times we've come across it? Any other episodes? Mm. I do believe we're doing El Generico. Oh, They've yeah, popped El up Generico. in there yeah. along the way as well. So, I mean, PWG is an independent wrestling company. An independent wrestling company can mean a variety of things for a variety of people. But I was wondering for you as a new fan, if I was to say the word you know, indie wrestling or if you to try to explain indie wrestling to someone who'd only ever seen WWE and was just getting their toes wet. I mean, what is indie wrestling, would you say? Oh, indie wrestling. I mean, I don't know, because I would qualify that as like anything that isn't WWE, but I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure it's like <laughs> probably more to do with like if they have investors or something. Well, I mean, like, that's probably what Vince McMahon views everything other yeah. than WWE. is like, you know, that, that indie, the UFC, like, or that indie, the World Cup, like, or Eurovision. Everything that's not WWE and is entertainment is an indie in their mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen much independent wrestling in your time as a new fan? Yes, I've seen a couple of small live shows mm-hmm. from few different promotions what would you say are the main differences if you're going to be like watching indie wrestling as opposed to to wb because i think a lot of new fans might assume that indie wrestling because it's maybe not got a budget or it's not a big spectacle it's not really worth their time well one it'll be in a much smaller room Uh, i'd say there's less of a budget for things like big screens, mm-hmm. lots of camera people, quite a lot of the showmanistic side, theatrical side of wrestling, I'd say, is probably less in independent shows. So like lights and, yeah. you know, pyro and video packages. Rights to music and things. <laughs> <laughs> Are those things, do you think, I mean, honestly, for me, like as, as a fan, I've struggled in the past, like way back to try and get into indie wrestling because it was like, if I didn't have a big Titantron, a big screen, if I didn't have a big screaming arena with thousands of people, I didn't think it was enjoyable. I didn't think I could get into it. Like, Do you think that's because you grew up during like the Attitude Era though, when it was so much about the big explosions, the huge pyrotechnics, mm. the, it was so high budget back then compared to like, I'd say now. Yeah, because even now on a WWE show, you wouldn't really get that much like, pyro or anything like that no like we went to see raw in november yeah <laughs> there was very little of the sort of theatrical side actually. there was no pyro at all there's no pyro yeah to the extent that when kane came out they literally showed a picture of an explosion like it's like boom fire ah. some fire imagine what that would feel like <laughs> yeah you know use those things in your brain like you know next thing you go when you go to a raw taping vincent man will just be describing stuff happening like you know and then aj styles does a big fucking moonsault thing and wah and it's tables psh, everywhere oh it's it's really great what's going on here guys you're loving this i'm sure <laughs> so i mean is that a barrier to entry do you think no 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 not at all no it's just that some people i think prefer that in their wrestling like if you if you mm. like that high budget style I, yeah. I can completely understand why people prefer it like when i first started watching wrestling i think the low budget sort of indie shows i found quite off-putting yeah and I think that might be because when I was a newer fan, I obviously, I could rely on the predictability of the formula of wrestling a lot less. Mm. So I needed the kind of like the almost soap opera side yeah. or the uh, the musical theatre side to kind of like compensate. 
Do you think, like, it's like if you were to dive headfirst into indie wrestling, like, before you watched any WWE, is that, like, kind of, like, a scarier thing to do, almost? I probably would have thought so, except for the fact that we did the Young Bucks so early on. Mm. And, obviously, they are exclusively pretty much indie wrestlers. We say now in 2018. We say, yeah. I mean, <laughs> four months from now, they could be signed yeah, anywhere. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed seeing that PWG match. The first one we watched way, way, way back when we did the Young Bucks episode. I really liked it. Mm. And that was, you know, what was our third episode we did? Yeah, it was episode? It was quite an early episode. Mm. We did the Young Bucks. And yeah, I've always been quite like interested by it because I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said like, because you know, I grew up with a certain thing. You know, I grew up with explosions and pyro and high production values, and therefore I expect that. And yeah. WWE, they're the main company, they're the main guys in town, and they, I think they want that. They want you, as a wrestling fan, to view WWE as being, that's the proper The shinier, yeah. Yeah, corporate wrestling thing. And yeah. the stuff that you're seeing, that's not real. Like, that's like kind of, you know, it's, it's not as important, it's lesser somehow, because it hasn't got production values mm. and lights and all this kind of other stuff that goes along with that. I... I kind of, yeah, I, I like the fact that there is this a bit of a disparity between the two sort of genres in a way. Mm. I say two genres as if there are only two, of course, there are <laughs> probably hundreds. Yeah. But like the fact that WWE is kind of this like very rounded, shiny, clean currently, obviously, I'm not mm. saying their history is in any way clean. But it's like, it's very entry level, I think. It's it's great mm. for if you're starting out and you want kind of a very consistent wrestling style, yeah. you've got that in WWE. Whereas with obviously indie shows they have a lot more freedom with doing you know sillier wrestling more comedy wrestling more violent styles of wrestling and i think that's definitely the thing to watch indies for is to get more of a variety and regardless of what indie you watch you're going to find variety and pwg is kind of like a shining beacon on the hill for indie wrestling in terms of it has got this really like almost anarchic kind of viewpoint of how they do business. This is a company that runs the same small little building, a little VA hall, which is like where veterans gather basically in America, you know, to, to play pool and have, you know, a couple of drinks and watch a show. It's from that same small 200 seat building since its very first show in 2003. The only reason they've ever been outside of there is because of a PayPal error where they accidentally oversold tickets last February. <laughs> but they're the same place. It's booked all by wrestlers. Most of the wrestlers who appear get paid little, if nothing. They get their flights covered. It's not there for a big payday. And usually as well, like, you're not going to have storylines. The storylines that happen are about a character's development that happens in the wrestling ring. Like, there's not a lot of skits. There's not a lot of backstage stuff. There's not a lot of, like, hype-up videos. You don't see the entrances and whatnot. And they don't run it for profit. Mm. They run it to keep it running. It was originally founded way, way back in like 2003. There was a group of six indie wrestlers over on the West Coast around California. Reseda, California, which is like a kind of a small suburb in California. And they were a guy called Excalibur, Super Dragon, Joey Ryan, who you may have seen before. Yes. As, as featured in your dreams with his sexy <laughs> mustache, huh? Yeah. Good. I might go back to a mustache soon, huh? You know? I'd give, give him a run for his money, that Joey Ryan. Disco Machine, Scott Lost, and Top Gun. I will say right now, I've never seen Disco Machine or Top Gun wrestle, but they're already my two favourite named wrestlers of all time. <laughs> they formed because they were sick and tired of arguing with promoters, because promoters would always tell wrestlers, 
you're on first, which means you have to have this type of a match, or there's an interval after you, so you have to have this type of match, or you're in the main event and I'm bringing in this guy, so make sure you don't do these moves so this guy can do this stuff. The wrestlers were sick of the lack of control that they had over their art form, and so PWG has the one mantra, which is the wrestlers decide what they're going to do, and that is why PWG is where you find the wildest, weirdest, most experimental genre-pushing wrestling that is available on the planet hmm. as a result of that. So if they don't turn a profit, then like, what's the point of them to continue running the promotion? Like, Is it literally just to kind of like for the sake of their own fun like why why do they not want to like it seems to be such a successful art form mm. that's very popular like considering the fact that i know tickets sell out like in seconds yeah like 90 seconds is the average sellout time i think for the tickets right so why can't <laughs> why would they not then you know commercially think yeah. well we could then sell this in a bigger arena continuing to use our own sort of methodology to keep the lack of rules a rule I mean, that's really interesting because, like, if you look at, you know, we looked at progress when we did our Jimmy Havoc episode, and they would have started off in rooms very similar, even smaller still, than the American Legion in uh, Reseda, California, where, you know, the, the VA hall where it happens in PWG. And they've, like, moved into bigger and bigger buildings. They're doing, you know, Wembley Arena quite soon, as far as I know. So, yeah, it's, you think you would naturally grow. But I think because in PWG, their kind of focus is to have it be a platform for wrestlers to kind of... It's like a showcase for them. And the two guys who run it, they have normal, like, jobs outside of it. Like, one of them's a graphic designer, the other guy's, like, a video editor who edits all the stuff. So it's kind of like if... Because there's only two of them who run it and kind of do everything, I think they think if they bring it to a bigger arena, it'll lose its ethos, it'll lose kind of what makes it special. It'll start being about, well, we got to sell a bigger arena, we got to have, a, you know, more tickets you know more people bigger stars brought in whatever it may be it then suddenly becomes a, just a business like any other professional wrestling promotion no it doesn't that's absolute nonsense well that's their but i mean that's their viewpoint well, on wrong, it you know because, like, <laughs> if you decide that those elements are important to your business and mm. that becomes part of your brand or yeah. whatever then there's no reason any of that should be lost. I'm not saying they immediately have to start performing in like 10,000 seat arenas or anything mm. but like you know performing somewhere where like 300 people could sit instead of 50 would be a start or like yeah. doing shows on a weekly basis instead of oh no how often are they they usually run like 10 to 12 times a year sometimes See, that's more like nothing but it's it's because none of them view it as being like it's a promotion that's out there competing with other promotions well, of course not because if they're not earning a proper wage from wrestling there <laughs> then of course they're not but they're not earning a proper wage because they're not selling the tickets mm. they're not selling the tickets because they don't want to I think it's because they've almost like they've flipped the whole thing on its head you know the wrestlers want to go there to wrestle like if you get to wrestle at PWG that's like the fucking the greatest thing ever whereas normally it's like with an indie promotion it's like oh fuck if I can get you know Cody Rhodes or the Young Bucks to my show then this is going to be great. Like it, They flipped it on its head. And I think because of the way they set it up with it being for wrestlers and by wrestlers, I think that if it gets into bigger arenas and bigger buildings, well, then now we need more people on staff to help yeah. arrange it. And therefore, it starts to become more like an actual, you know, an old wrestling no, company. No, it doesn't. That's so, it's absolutely nonsense. Because they could bring on... 
they could use the the same system they use in Japan, where mm. they bring on like less experienced wrestlers, yeah. wrestlers who want to become a freelance wrestler themselves and maybe want to learn things like graphic design, video editing, mm. because it's useful for them as a freelance wrestler. Yeah, like it seems to me, it's very clear how they could make this grow and still keep their ethos. Absolutely, with like a little cash injection or even a little bit of forethought and a small team, they could have it be an indie that probably would dwarf, I would say, the likes of Ring of Honor or even TNA at this moment in time. Like, I think it has that much buzz and that much appeal about it. But even still, I'm not even sure if the wrestlers themselves would be drawn to it then if it all of a sudden is, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be in this big building for this big sellout show, as opposed to I'm going down to this small little, you know, niche place where the best wrestling in the world happens in this small little building. Like, I think so much of it is almost like smoke and mirrors. Like, it exists... And it has its reputation. A lot of it is because it has this punk rock vibe in this small building and whatnot. It just it doesn't seem very punk rock if <laughs> only the really, really rich or well-connected or lucky can go. I mean, they still keep ticket prices at quite... I mean, but if, like, they could sell them for thousands and they sell them for like $65, I think, is a front row ticket, 45 for general admission. Mm. But I mean, I imagine there's, yeah, there's, there's going to be scalpers and resale value yeah. and all that. But yes, you've just reminded me that there is indeed a parallel between Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and the Harry Potter play that was running <laughs> in that only the very well-connected super fans and the well-off can seem to actually get to experience it yeah. live. And don't get me wrong, I'll tell you right now, we've done a lot of watching of PWG and the number one thing I've taken away from it is that bucket list, I want us to go see a PWG show. Oh yeah, it would be awesome. There, like in that building. That's like super, super important, I think. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, we were talking about how they don't do things kind of typically or normally. They don't go on pay-per-view. They don't stream any of their shows live. They don't have a TV deal, like not even like a, a local TV mm. deal. A reason for that actually is, and again, it could be one of the reasons why they don't want to expand, is because a lot of their, or if not most of their talent, come from or are contracted to other companies. So say, for instance, the Young Bucks are contracted to like New Japan and Ring of Honor. You know, a lot of guys who wrestle there are like might be contracted to, say, TNA or other companies, and their contract will state, you can wrestle wherever you want to on the indies, but if it has a TV deal or pay-per-view, you're not allowed to perform there. So I think one of the reasons why PWG is able to actually have the buzz about it is by bringing in stars who are from bigger indie companies... But if they put it on TV or if they put it on Why pay-per-view... Why put it on TV or pay-per-view? Come on, wait, surely, surely as as millennials we can recognise that those avenues are, are dying. Mm-hmm. Like, True. just stream it live, pop it on a free like download thing. But then people, how do they get their money from it? They make their money primarily through selling DVDs still, would you believe? Yeah, well, they could still do DVDs. <laughs> but why would you buy a DVD if you can get it f- streamed free? Well, you could pay for the stream. If you're paying for the stream, though, you can't do that because the, you wouldn't have the Young Bucks then, or you wouldn't have... But you, you said they couldn't be on TV or pay-per-view. That's not the same as... Not no, iPay-per-view is, is considered to be the same thing oh, as well. Oh, well, wow, you didn't mention that. Yeah, well, yeah. that's completely different. Then. So, yeah, iPay-per-view, which is what indie companies uh, will do to stream their stuff live on the internet. It's like regular pay-per-view, except it cuts out every two seconds and no one's happy at the end of it. So, you know. I'll be honest, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm trying to fight the corner of PWG and their ethos. I don't agree with I think they could be the biggest thing in town if they wanted to but they've made it very very clear that that's not what they want it's not what it's about and they don't want it to be that and it's that's it like I suppose it would be 
I don't know if I'd necessarily want to change that if I had a nice, like, fun time wrestling with all my friends and I got yeah. all the top cool celebrities, like yeah. Ronda Rousey and... I don't know who are the other celebrities that Gillian, go to Alison Brie. Yeah, she the, goes. The, the person from Community, Gillian, Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs. Yeah, it, it attracts quite like a quite a diverse mix. Like if you look at the fans, particularly in the last two years in PWG shows, it's so funny. We were watching stuff from like 2005, where it's basically like a dingy ECW crowd, and now in like 2018, you've got like these really like ornate hipsters in the front row celebrities over here you've got like a real diverse bunch of mm. fans but it's because it's like the hottest ticket in town like you know LA Weekly have written about it the Hollywood Reporter all these big outlets have written about it about how cool and underground it is so that's their biggest selling point in a way so I think in their minds if they were to expand they would lose the one thing that will ensure that they will probably survive forever. Right. So there you go. That's pu- Joe and I are simply too capitalistic to get on board with no, that. No, I, I disagree. I, I believe in making it accessible for everyone. I believe that just because something's cool and underground doesn't necessarily make it, like, better. <laughs> it's true, yeah. But you can't deny, though, that is... Oh, yeah, absolutely, it works. That's the special sauce. And mm. I can't think of anything else in wrestling that has, like, that, oh, fucking shit. Like, Progress has that a bit here in England, I think, where shows will sell out very, very mm. quickly. People will queue up for hours. I've heard that in PWG they'll queue up for 12 hours outside. You know, just like a big long line waiting to get in there. So yeah, it it is very interesting because I don't think, you know, that type of mystique you can't manufacture in wrestling. And that's certainly what PWG has. And not for nothing as well. I can list some of the uh, alumni from PWG, people who have appeared there or even held gold there. AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Chris Hero, The Young Bucks, Adam Cole. It's pretty much a who's who of like who's important in wrestling. Mm. And if you want to know who's going to be big in wrestling in the next few years, just watch like a PWG show now. So yeah, it's very, very difficult to get a ticket to see live. You can't watch it live. It usually comes a couple of months out later on DVD. And then who as well? Can we just talk about the DVD thing? Because every time anyone talks about buying wrestling on DVD, it makes me think of Greg Turkington. <laughs> his like collection of VHS tapes all colour-coded. And... Yeah. Why why DVD? No one bothers with DVDs. I totally agree with that. Like it, the fucking hag. Like, we only have a PlayStation. We don't have a DVD player. So oh, you have to yeah. turn on the PlayStation, wait for it to load, eject the game disc, because that's what it is. It's a game console. <laughs> it's the, it's the world's most expensive in. DVD player is what we've got. Like. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And actually... It's really funny you say that because you know, recently I did uh, an episode with Adam for the HR podcast where the thing was only on DVD. And it was funny because it was just, you know, four or five years ago, I had a DVD drive on my laptop. I had a DVD, pl- I had all this stuff for DVDs. Oh, it's really hard now to watch a DVD. Yeah, and I remember going to Adam's like, I've got the DVD. Where are we going to watch this? And it's like, oh, the PS3, I think we can plug that runs TV. Let's let's get the, the HDMI for this PS3 that's not been used in four years. Oh you no, know? we need a SCART cable and they don't exist anymore. I mean, you could say that the releasing on DVD, that's again into the old timey nothing quite punk rock like a digitally versatile disc, oh, I right? I just go full hog and do it VHS then. <laughs> May as well. You know, I mean, it does come out, you can you can watch it on High Spots, uh, which has got a streaming service, and if you... Top use- Spots. 
<laughs> top spot should be your streaming service. Yeah. I think so. But high spots, you know, the kind of second-rate top spots, mm. you know, not as good a service as top spots, we can all agree. Everyone gets to their feet for the top spots in the match. Some people say PWG is nothing but top spots. <laughs> <laughs> Those top spot monkeys. But yeah, high spots, you can stream their shows from there. And you can stream other stuff as well. It's not just PWG, so it's other indie stuff is on there. But you just said they weren't allowed to stream stuff because it's iPay-Per-View. You can stream... You can archive stream it. Oh, we can't live stream it. Can live stream it. Right, well, they should get rid of the DVDs because I think that is nonsense garbage. Mm. Who... But no one pays for DVDs. Oh, Jesus Christ. Digital downloads, I think, would be the way to go. Digital downloads, absolutely. I'd pay money to download a full show, or even better, I'd pay a bit less money to download just the matches I wanted to watch. In stand-up, there's been people recently who have experimented with distribution and how to get your thing out there. And I think, honestly, if it's like, here, here's the download link, $5 minimum, pay what you want type of thing, a lot more people would watch it. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, you know, I'm not want to rag on it because it's like, it's how they do it. And that's just, it's, it's okay, I'll rag on it. I don't mind. <laughs> it's how they do it. It's how they've always done this. I'll be honest. That's I, always the best reason to do things, just yeah. generally in life. If your reason for doing something is because that's how it's always been done, you're probably doing it really well. Well, like, there is still money to be made on it, though. Oh, I'm you know? sure. I'm sure there is. I was the type of person that, before I moved to the UK, every wrestling fan I knew had, like, you know, a wall that was full of wrestling DVDs, you know, yeah. in alphabetical order. No, I know, and then I, I made you get rid of them all when you moved <laughs> home with me. No, that was, excuse me, that was the network, okay? And moving into an increasingly less physical world. That's all that was. <laughs> That's all it was. But there are people out there who will still shell out for a DVD and oh, they no. pay you like 20, 30 quid for it. I'm a firm believer in the occasional use of physical media to mm. add a perceived value to mm. a product. I get the point of that. But like when you're making DVDs for like all your shows and they're not like as available online as they could be, mm. probably partly due to the fact that it costs a lot of money to make DVDs to produce them. I think if you've got a connection, which I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. It's still going <laughs> to cost more than just streaming it though. Yeah, that's true. But your profit margin will be smaller, I guess. You know, if you're distributing it online, I mean, if you're selling, you know, a couple of thousand DVDs, you'll probably make more profit on that. And of course as well, the big issue with that, and it's a huge problem with, uh, with, indie promotions at the moment is torrenting and streaming and stuff like that. You know, people are legally streaming it. And, you know, most of PWD shows are found on various torrenting pirate sites. Yeah, maybe that's because you know? they are mostly available in DVD format where you can easily rip the media from it and also you might not be bothered to buy a DVD. Yeah, because I think if maybe if you're taking the approach of we're, we're going for like physical media and, you know, having a delay on the release on the streaming service to somehow stop people... From, I mean, as soon as those DVDs go in the mail, there's a couple of dozen people, and the first thing they do is rip all the audio yeah, or the video and put it Yeah, you're making it very easy for people to torrent your mm. stuff if you put it on DVD. We watched an entire show of PWG. We watched a whole lot of matches. We watched a whole lot of clips. But something that was coming up in the comments when you guys were talking about PWG was the notion that it's hard to watch a full one because you're getting this high-octane, over-the-top no booker to say, hey guys, calm it down, let's not have this type of a match now. Everyone going out and doing what they want and giving it 320%. So they said watching a full show start to finish might be difficult. Uh, Joe, for people who don't uh, aren't part of our Patreon and haven't listened to our pay-per-view review series, how would you describe the average experience for a fan watching a WWE show all the way from the start, all the way to the end? Life. It's fucking exhausting. And it's exhausting even when it's like a great show. Mm. 
Like, even the best WrestleMania in the world is a, a bit of a pain to get through. I mean, this most recent WrestleMania you were quite a fan of. Yeah, I say this is my favourite WrestleMania we've ever had, and even mm. that I lagged at points. was like, oh, does it really need to be this long? Like, the whole week after, you're just kind of, like, in a daze yeah. and thrown off. And I think the monthly pay-per-views, like, even more so, and mm. it's, like, never more evident than Backlash, obviously. Oh, gosh. Just covered, it was a fucking mess. Like, I was quite curious to watch this with those criticisms in mind, given that, in my opinion, Backlash, which is, like, the most overproduced, overbooked... Mm. Like, you'll have how many people involved with planning the oh, whole yeah. show? Oh, yeah, dozens like, and so dozens. many people. Yeah. And yet, still, it ended up with seven matches all to do with headlocks. So, yeah, you're comparing, like, maybe that show, which we watched, which had probably maybe 30 riders couple of hundred people production-wise. Yeah, like, there's going to be a handful of people whose entire job it is to make sure that the show is varied <laughs> and interesting. And compared was... to this, when it's no one's job. Yeah, and I just want to know, I mean, probably, going to say right now, I think the single least fair comparison in the history of professional wrestling, but how did you compare... Battle of Los Angeles 2016 Night 2 no, to a typical WWE show. Why do you think that's unfair? Because, I mean, the ethos is so different in both of those, isn't it? One is a show that came after a month of too many shows, being in Saudi Arabia, WrestleMania, UK tour, South Africa, South America, all over the place. Everyone's jet-lagged and fucking miserable. The other one is literally like Christmas Day for the best wrestlers in the world who've all come to have a big party with each other. It's hardly the... That's like comparing like a funeral for a wealthy billionaire to your 21st birthday party. It's like a much different vibe going on. Yes, there'll be drinks and foods, but it'll be a much different vibe. Yeah, but I think it is fair because even though you've got the wrestlers who are like doing this for fun, Mm. it's a product and it's a business Mm. and that is ultimately what it comes down. I know they're not... It's not a business in the sense that they're not trying to turn a profit every time, Mm. but they are still trying to put on an entertaining show. Yeah. WWE apparently also tries to do that every month. I mean, yeah, that's the end end result and the end, you know, corporate values, whatever you want to call it. If you sat down the head writers in WWE and you sat down, you know, Super Dragon and Excalibur. Yeah, so like, like, what do you want to get out of this? I want people to enjoy the show. Yeah. You know, know, WWE wouldn't say it like that. It'd be like, well, quite frankly, (laughs) extemporaneously, we would like that the show would be uh, consumed in a way which is pleasurable to the viewer. And, you know, but they want the same thing, don't they, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. How was watching a full show start to finish? We just like, we kind of turned our brains off. It's like, let's just watch this like we were sitting down to watch a full wrestling show like normal. How Mm. was it? It was hard to watch the full show. How long was it? Two and a half hours? It was 2.40. Yeah. So shorter than any pay-per-view we would have reviewed for How To on on Patreon. It felt longer than that, but it didn't feel... It didn't feel as long as I'd say the monthly pay-per-views. Yeah. Like, which is good because it shouldn't shouldn't feel that long. It was it was difficult because a lot of the matches are kind of samey in a way. Mm. And I feel weird about saying that because like PWG as a whole, you could not describe a lot of the matches as samey. Personally, I don't think you could. People do though. The people, people that say do. it's the same thing, like, yeah. I personally disagree. Mm. Because when you've got like comedy wrestling and then you've got the kind of the gory, violent, horrible stuff involving like thumbtacks and mouths and shit. But then you've also got like the the high spots and things. Yeah. And then you've got also like the technical map based wrestling occasionally, depending mm. on like the thing about PWG is it depends on who's there, depends on what wrestling you've got. Yeah, and I mean like when I was reaching out, I kinda of said, Hey, 
what's like considered to be the best show, what's like a real great show, and there are all reasons why people came back with this one, which is only like night two of a three night tournament, so it was three shows in a row basically that they did over three nights. I mean, you just look at that card, and it's, you had everything from pure comedy in like an opening match, which involved lots of posing and dancing, to like you know something quite like the British style that you would see around here, where you had like people like Pete Dunne and stuff mm. like that. And then you had a main event that was so kind of over the top with so many top spots and so many guys flying in and out of the ring. Like I don't think it's fair to say it's samey, but it's samey in the sense that it's like big like you, know, you get the same reaction out of yourself over and over again in that sense I don't know I, I did find this show samey mm. but then that's weird to me because like the other clips that we've watched were not samey at all yeah. I don't know if that's just like this particular show maybe mm. because it was the the Bola the tournament the Battle of Los Angeles tournament yeah so there was a lot maybe that because of that there was a lot more similarities mm. between the matches because they were mostly tournament style yeah but, like, I didn't see any comedy matches in this. I mean, there were matches that had comedy in them, I guess, Yeah, but parts. it was, like, moments rather than a comedy match. Yeah, yeah, I know what you Like, mean. compared to with, like, the Invisible Hand Grenade. Mm, you didn't have anything kind of like that. Or, like, we've watched a lot of the slow-mo wrestling yeah, that's happened like, recently. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny to me. But, yeah, this this particular show was a lot of... It was a lot of high spots. Mm. Like, again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I kind of feel that's the kind of stuff that... Is that kind of stuff that Jim Cornette hates, or is it more the kind of real silliness, do you think? It's both. I mean, like, we say Jim Cornette, uh, if you're unaware, Jim Cornette is uh, an old-timey wrestling curmudgeon who's made his brand to be kind of a bit stuck in the past and likes when wrestling was about good guys and bad guys and real emotions and, you know, don't think he's ever fully accepted that people don't think wrestling is real and he doesn't like that. He ha- Like, he looks to UFC as being the best pro wrestling in the world because it's like serious athletes presented seriously. <laughs> he takes great umbrage with, yeah, the fact that it's like the opening match you had, you know, 10 super kicks, tombstone pile driver, mm. hurricane runners to the outside, top rope dives. Then the next match comes out and it's got top rope dives and yeah. all this kind of big crazy stuff. I mean, I, I do buy it as a valid criticism if you're seeing a lot of similar stuff over and again and that if it's reserved for the main event, a lot of the, the, the really jaw-dropping stuff... I always think that's a bit better. But that's an issue that WWE has as well. That's not a PWG thing. I'm not even sure I agree with that, though. Yeah? I, I like high spots throughout a show. Did you get burnt out watching this, though? Like, by the end? Because the end, the last match of this was meant to be a five-star match. Oh, yeah, and I, I loved that, that match. I think the thing that I find more exhausting is when there's a lot of high spots within a match, mm. and it starts from the very beginning and continues all the way through to the end without any kind of ebb and flow. Mm. Which is interesting, because that isn't something that used to bother me. I remember when we did the Young Bucks episode, me saying, I like the fact that it's top spot after top spot after top spot. It makes it very entertaining for me. And having a conversation with a couple of people afterwards, like me asking them, you know, genuinely, why do you not like it? And then being like, oh, I prefer the ebb and flow. Mm. And at the time, didn't get it. Yeah. And I think as I've watched more wrestling, I've come to appreciate that more. Ah, that's really interesting. Not saying that that's going to be the case for like all new fans. That like, yeah. you, as you watch more wrestling, you definitely prefer a certain style. But like, it's true. You do get more conservative. If you <laughs> oh no, I'm becoming right west wrestling wing. Oh no. Um, yeah, I think it's the fact that it was like, yeah, it was a match like that immediately, followed mm. by another match which was just full of top spots, and then another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and I think you do need a something to break it up. Mm. But like to me, that could have been 
continued high spots but with comedy yeah. more heavily emphasized or maybe like the whole violent matches that they occasionally do mm. how i found it because i'd never watched a pwd show from start to finish i don't think i've laughed and clapped my hands as much since i saw a magician when i was six yeah was you were like good. giddy yeah. with joy you have obviously enjoyed it a lot more than i did and i would say though a major criticism is that it is kind of a blur in that, like, by watching it start to finish, it was just kind of like, like, all the things I like in wrestling. Mm. But I couldn't tell you who did what, other than I loved it. Mm. <laughs> you I, know? I, I would love to go see a show like that live. Yeah, it, it made me, like, I've had a little wrestling bucket list, and, like, I kind of, everything got pushed down one, and that got put at the top yeah. after watching that show. Although I do worry that after going to see a show like that live, I would be so exhausted I'd find myself like crying for no reason afterwards like in the car park like Like, what's wrong why are you crying I'm just really tired like I'm not this is going to say like the weirdest thing ever but like legitimately I'm trying to get in a bit better shape at the moment and my goal is to be in good enough shape that I would be confident I could go to a PWG show chant as much as I wanted to and get out of the way quick enough as well because when we were at Progress not that long ago War Machine and Pete Dunne came very close to smashing into me and I feared for my life a little bit like you know it was one of those wake up moments so yeah PWG seems like a wild experience live yeah like totally like you have got no ring barricade at all was that like shocking to see the fans like literally up on the ring apron like banging on the the apron and stuff not really because like we've been to some house I don't know, I think, do they count as house shows if it's an indie? No, no, no. it's comedy shows. It's comedy yeah. shows. So it's yeah. only house shows if it's what WWE is. WWE is like a non-televised right. WWE show. Yeah, okay. show yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've been to a fair few indie shows where there's not been any barricades. But everyone sat back though, respectfully. No one was getting up and hitting the ring apron. And like, there was one match we watched where there was a, a boy literally stood up on the turnbuckle and was like, what's going on over there in the crowd? <laughs> like, <and he laughs> but I think that's probably more to do with the fact that those promotions would have like security staff mm. and they'd have maybe like I don't know yeah other members of the production team kind of on hand to you know what actually it might be partly health and safety laws in the UK I think so I have heard that political correctness has gone mad in this country have you? it could be health and safety political correctness one or the other has gone mad I thought they'd both gone mad in in, in spite of each other yes they have both gone mad and that's why you can't stand on the ring apron at a, in, a, in a show in the UK like <laughs> I would love to stand on a ring apron during a wrestling show but I would be too nervous and anxious that I'd get told off <laughs> not worth it I honestly the thought of someone being like get down from there a wrestler <laughs> shouting at you get down I'm like, so sorry I'm upset the wrestlers like I'll never be invited back again one thing that could be used to describe PWG in terms of its style the one thing that's definitely consistent is that it's over the top the last few years it has stopped being like, here's where we go to show those fuckers, like, this is what the cool new style wrestling is, to almost being like a showcase. Like, you'll look in the crowd, and more often than not, you will see, like, we saw Shayna Baszler in the crowd. Yes, that was so interesting. Honestly, I found it quite distracting. Yeah, and NXT it, Women's Champion just yeah. there, like, you know. But, like, the way she watched wrestling, I found it great in a way, because she watches wrestling like I watch wrestling. Because I always feel really bad when we go to live shows, and I'm quite... I'm silent, really (laughs) intently, kind of like studying every move. I don't want to miss anything. I hear this thing's a fix. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when you go see a magic show, and you want to see how the magician fakes the trick. Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that was really interesting to see her 
like just perched there like intently studying them yeah it's so interesting to see like the people who will go there and will like there are wrestlers like who will go there to study up and like kind of like Ronda Rousey went there like she was brought by some she's always been a fan like from a kid but it was kind of like here you want to see what the style of wrestling is now because she was like a Hulk Hogan fan growing up it's like come see this and it's kind of it's a great like entryway into wrestling but not what you think it is I think it should be like almost made compulsory for every wrestler to watch PWG. Just to see, like, here's the extreme. This is where it can go to. Yeah. You know, and that seems to be, to be honest, shifting forward. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's the future of wrestling, yeah. honestly. Because you, you look at, we looked at some PWG shows from 10 years ago, not even, six, seven years ago. And it's like, that looks very much like what I'm watching on NXT. And I'm not just talking about the guys. I'm talking about the style, you know. And this is really funny when you think about, like, the like I've heard stories about the NXT trainers saying like you know you know Daniel Bryan the only reason he's success is because he got trained how to wrestle properly once oh, he came to WWE off. not fuck like the shit on the indies you know and like stuff like that is really funny because now like William Regal he is one of the main scouts for WWE he's a former wrestler he's respected for having a great mind he will go to those PWG shows and he'll sit and like. That's how Kevin Owens, uh, one of the biggest stars on TV now, that's how he got found. Yeah. Is that he was seen at that show. Now, long after he was a big star and William Regal said, like, this guy needs a tryout. And immediately everyone was impressed with him. But he never would have been signed had he not been seen in that environment, which I think is quite interesting. And now people are kind of going there like, I might get a fucking great job out of this by going and really fucking pushing it to the nth degree. Like, not everyone is doing it for that reason, though. I Yeah, I don't even necessarily mean that all wrestlers should go there to wrestle. Mm. I mean all the wrestlers should go there to watch. To watch, like, yeah. I think Roman Reigns could really benefit from <laughs> watching some fun wrestling. Because honestly, I look at him and I think, there's a man who's lost his love of, of wrestling. Oh, that's really sad. Don't you kind of agree, though? Yeah, I mean, well, post-WrestleMania does feel like that for all Roman, doesn't it? I feel so bad. I just feel like he needs a bit of a wrestling holiday. He needs to go see some refreshing innovation. Yeah. Maybe silliness that he would never do, but like then he could kind of just sort of, you know... Hey, that. yeah, I know that the, the, they listened before and they were very nice before when we did an episode about them, the Young Bucks. Mm. I'm going to extend the olive branch right there. It's 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 a treatment. It's an idea. Okay, six-man tag. It's in PWG. Who's going to partner with the Young Bucks? No, not Cody Rhodes. No, not them Bullet Clubs. Do you know what? That would be the fuck... I can imagine them doing that yeah. because it would drive everyone mad. Yeah, because the Young Bucks, then they bring out the Big Buck. Yeah, the Big Buck. <laughs> they could, like, yeah, try and be the Shield. They could be the Big Bucks or they can, you know, they can figure it out as it goes or the Young Dogs. Whichever it works, I think that would be great. All of them going oorah together. He obviously takes a lot from the Young Bucks seeing as most of his matches now involve him doing the same move seven or eight times, you know, in a row to little or no effect. But, but like, seriously, if he won't... Actually, yeah, even thinking about him performing there, can you imagine, like, how much confidence that would have to give him to perform mm. in front of a crowd like that. Yeah, it's like when we did Hey to John Cena, him... Yeah. But I mean, in, in front of an ECW audience, yeah. But Roman gets that with normal crowds, I guess. Serious, I think if we talk any more about Roman Reigns on an episode of PWG, yeah, we will officially really alienate the entire world. So. <laughs> I would say I'm not entirely on board with the idea that like it's really difficult to watch a whole PWG show because... 
it's not as if they're expecting you to watch it in one chunk. You don't watch it live. Mm. It's not broadcast live. You gotta watch it on the DVD. Yeah, you, you skip your chapter. You, you, you watch it in, in parts, I think. Yeah. More often than not, people just kind of talk about the big matches that happened at the big shows and yeah. people kind of seek those out individually on the High Spots Network, I guess. So. But yeah, I mean, I definitely found watching this easier to watch than a live pay-per-view. Like I compared to Backlash, definitely, yeah. absolutely. I'd say I even preferred it more to the average mediocre WWE pay per view. Yeah, it, like you knew you're going to get something. Like even if it's kind of like, oh, I'm a bit burnt out. I'm still now. What's coming up next is probably going to make me go fuck yeah, at some point or another. Yeah, like all you need to do is really kind of like zone out for a second, not pay attention, and then when you do pay attention again, it's like, oh, it's still really, really entertaining. Yeah. And excellent wrestling. It's not like with a normal WWE pay per view where you can look away from a headlock. It's like come back. It's oh, it's still you missed the move. The, still the a move. headlock. <laughs> the one move you've missed it now. Maybe they'll do a replay. Something I was very curious about, and in the past I've not been a fan of, but I think I may have turned a corner on it. This. Uh, the commentary when we were watching PWG. What did you think of it? It's very much like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of gimmick where the guys are almost half making fun of what's going on. They do call the action, but they're not pretending that this is, you know, wrestling is real or anything no. like that. They'll call stuff out as like spots or why is he doing that? And, you know, I was wondering what your thoughts were on it. Did you like it? I did like it. It was a shame that the quality of the audio isn't great. Mm. So I couldn't hear quite all of what they were saying all the time Mm. but i love the style of the commentary i love the fact that they're not afraid to be like oh my god yeah like when someone screams jesus because they do a big move it's yeah that's kind of really reassuring think that's why people actually react we watched a clip of the slow motion wrestling style and the fact that the commentators went into slow-mo along with like the audience chanting and everything Mm. was the funniest thing to me now if you've not lived okay until you've seen jim Cornette talk about the invisible hand grenade spot with the amount of disdain in his voice like describing that the wrestler who did it was like murdering a young child in the ring or something like that it's like this motherfucker he takes out an invisible i love even the phrase he takes out an invisible hand grenade like if you hate it so much don't give it don't give it form you're playing right into the mime then you say pretending surely not taking (laughs) out and then he pulls the pin on this invisible hand no he didn't he just moved his hands around you idiots (laughs) so yeah pwg there's a couple of like match types that they're kind of synonymous for a guerrilla warfare is one of them where it's kind of like just a hardcore match hardcore rules they have bola every year which is the battle of los angeles which is basically the tournament to crane who is the number one guy in all of the indies essentially so yeah bola is usually like a great place to start if you're ever like curious about watching a PWG show, I would suggest checking out Bola because it's the Battle of Los Angeles. It's a tournament which has like all the top stars from all around the world who are all basically going to show why they think they're kind of the top star. Every match is a showcase match. If you look at the winners from the past few years, Ricochet, the villain Marty Skrull, Zack Sabre Jr., Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, El Generico, Kenny Omega... Joey Ryan. I mean, with the exception of El Generico, who's unfortunately retired, that's a real list of like, like the top names in wrestling now, pretty yeah. much. Like either the top names or the top up and coming names. Yeah. So yeah, Bola is a real great place to start with it. They also have Mystery Vortex, where all but one of the matches is a complete uh, mystery, like to the opponents and to the wrestlers themselves. So it's like you're going to pay off the fact that no one knows who's taking on who. You also have DDT4, which is their tag team tournament, although they've not done that in recent years. So those are like good places to start, usually. You know, they always, though, on any given show, you should find 
a match or two that will blow your mind at least a little bit. So we're going to look at some matches now. And this was very difficult to find a list of matches that people would recommend. The number one match that people recommended was one that we had already done. Oh, yeah, Young the, Bucks. the Candice LeRae, Young Bucks, Joey Ryan one, right? Yeah, yeah. And we have seen that one already, so kind of worked way back there a little didn't bit. Didn't want to watch that one again. <laughs> so <laughs> soon. No, I didn't want to watch anyone with uh, tacks in their mouth quite so soon, but thanks for putting the image in my head again. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I wanted to try and get some matches that would give us, kind of cast a wide net into the different parts of PWG. Some of the more kind of violent and hardcore stuff, some of the high-flying stuff, and also as well... Definitely some of the intergender stuff as well, because PWG and Candice LeRae, obviously, have been pushing the boundaries of intergender wrestling, and that's something I definitely wanted to touch upon with you. I searched for what is the best match in PWG history and cross-referenced it with all of our requests. We had so many recommendations. We have never had as varied a list of recommendations, and honestly, with the exception of this match, and the Candice and Joey match, I don't think there's actually been two people who've requested the same thing. That's how varied it is. Wow. But here we go, anyway. This one comes from Three Mendes Three, excellently named show, by the way, where we had the Young Bucks taking on Future Shock, the team of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, and the Super Smash Brothers. Joe, what were your thoughts on the Super Smash Brothers and their amazing name? I actually... <laughs> I have seen the Super Smash Bros before. Oh, really? You, I don't know if you showed me a clip of theirs or you happened to tell me about Shakara one time and I found them on my own. Mm. But I watched a match of theirs when we first, first, first started recording the podcast. And it was very different from this because in this match, they didn't really touch upon why they're called the Super Smash Bros. They were just kind of wrestlers in this match. They're just like regular ass wrestlers. But the match I saw before, I can't remember who they were against, but they actually did act like video game characters in some Mm. respects. Like there was a point where one of them was hit in the chest and he paused (laughs) and then they had to like wait for him to resume and boot up before they could continue the match. And there was a lot more video game references to their actual wrestling style, Mm. which I loved. I thought it was so, so funny. But it's a real shame because they didn't do really any of that in the it is interesting because like there are so many like wrestlers who will pull out comedy in Mm. pwg and you can't really predict when it's going to happen see i would have thought a character like a super smash bros thing yeah like your whole gimmick then is your video game kind of reference Mm -hmm. because i can understand like certain wrestlers only occasionally pulling out the comedy style like tommaso champa and we watched a few of his matches on pwg one of them was really scary one of them was really funny one was scary at the end and funny at the start yeah (laughs) like some wrestlers just pull it out occasionally when they Mm. want to but then other wrestlers clearly they're more of their character i assumed with a gimmick like this it would be their character not just a occasionally when we feel like pulling it out yeah it is kind of strange because it's like it almost feels like when they want to do the comedy, it's when, obviously, when you least expect it. Yeah. But, like, a great one. Well, we watched uh, Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan, for instance, that which is like. So, so <laughs> good. That was probably the, my favorite thing we watched. Where you've got two guys who are considered to be the best technical wrestlers in the world. So you think these lads are going to fucking tear the house down. And how do they go about the wrestling at the start? Well, they arm wrestle. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, that's a, that's a proper. WWE thing, arm wrestling, come yeah. on now, yeah. But then Daniel 
Brian wins, and then so Kenny Omega challenges him to a rematch in the form of a thumb war. Oh, and the the technique was wild with with Omega. I had never seen so many um, innovative moves in the thumb wrestling scene. I mean, you know, he's an innovator, is Kenny Omega. He is. But the reckless abandon in which he baited his thumb, he's going to be in a fucking wheelchair by the time he's 35. I mean, it's really dangerous. He's got to really do himself in. And then they moved on to... The spot that never ends. The spot that never ends. Yeah, where Kenny Omega basically ran the ropes over and over and over again, <laughs> encouraging Daniel Bryan to also run the ropes at the same time. It was very impressive. It was. The cardio and the timing. That's yeah. the two most impressive things there. Until Kenny Omega got worn out. And then then he started asking Daniel Bryan what his real name was. Daniel Bryan said, my real name's John. John what? John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> and then they sang a little song. But that's my name too. And then they sang the song. And I didn't even know it was a song. You didn't even know it was a song? No, it's the problem with growing up in Ireland. You don't know, you don't do fun camp songs. It's an American song. But you got a, you, you knew it. Well, only because I had an American friend. Ah, and the, the, the dance that came with it, the little do-si-do dance. Oh, like. yeah, they did a do-si-do dance as well. That was so funny. Very, very cute. But I mean, yeah, I love that. It's like, you don't expect it then, that's when you get it. I guess when you do expect it going in... Sometimes maybe you don't get it. See, I would just, I'd have loved for there to be a match like that in the middle of the bowler match, mm. the, the bowler show that we watched. Because yeah. I thought that could have broken things up really nicely. You know what it probably is, though, now, and I think you're less likely to see it at that tournament, is because it's kind of the worst kept secret that, like, you know, Triple H throws a pokeball at the fucking bowler every year. Just, he just sucks up all the new talent. Like, I would imagine if you're on that tournament you don't want to showcase a style that WWE is notorious for not liking. And even though WWE has embraced flips and super kicks and lots more high spots and lots more high flying and more strikes, they certainly have not incorporated comedy into the wrestling. And I don't know if they will. There's plenty of wrestlers that have absolutely no interest in wrestling for WWE. Like, the Young Bucks, I don't think, have much inclination to wrestle at the moment. Kenny Omega obviously doesn't care. yeah. Then you've got what, like Chuck Taylor and wrestlers yeah. as well. Like I just feel there's a lot of guys who don't need to impress Triple H. Yeah, who, can who go don't right care there. about his opinion. Who could then? I don't know. I think you could use it as an opportunity. You know that you've got WWE eyes there. Mm. Show them what a crowd can enjoy in that style. I think it's cowardly to mm. not do that. Ah, very, very brave hot take. Like yeah. no, you're you're totally on the money there. So anyway, this match is for the PWG tag titles. The fact that it was a ladder match taking place with six people in such a small building. I know you're often concerned for the wrestlers. Yeah, especially their non-gimmick ladders. <laughs> these are the fucking... These are the ladders that if they were set up to paint your house, you'd be like, oh, I'm a bit scared to go up that. Could someone hold it for me, please? Yeah, it's like when, when we first moved in, we realised we had to have a ladder because we're homeowners now. You have to have one. We're like, oh, they're really expensive. Let's just get the cheapest one the from Wilco that one. we can find. Yeah, it's obviously very dangerous. <laughs> Only costs £12. What do you expect? Twists and crumples, like, you yeah, know, it's horrible. Got, it's got two steps on it for some reason instead of the normal seven. <laughs> I did like the announcer just starting things off saying, you know, the following matches for the PWG tag titles... Please be careful. Get out of the way. I think that's very helpful, and I would have appreciated if more shows I'd been to had that warning. Yeah, you know what? That's like, I, I part of me is like, oh, they're saying that to put it over, but legitimately, it was a bit of a frenzy here. Yeah. I was worried for all parties involved because there were bodies flying everywhere, mm-hmm. and there were people who were like, oh, I have to get up, move my chair, run across the fucking building. You know, that's scary, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, because like, I wonder how people with like limited mobility, like maybe if, like, I, uh, for example, if I wanted to take like my parents to yeah. see a wrestling match. Jesus Christ. Like a lot of wrestling matches, I would just be like, look, we'll just get seats further back and it's mm. fine. But someone like PWG that aren't seats further back, it's just yeah. all crash zone. That is, it's the mosh pit, yeah. isn't it? It's like, would you take your parents to the mosh pit of any mm. band they'd want to see? Probably not, like. Mm. So it is, it's, it's, you are, if you're going there, you're part of the show in more ways than one, I guess, mm. is, is the reality. But I appreciated the kind words at the start of just saying, please, you know, get out of the way if there's wrestlers coming. Because, you know, there's some people who are like, kind of, oh, he's not going to land on me. And you see it all the time where wrestlers fucking land in people's laps or on top of them and knock them over. You know, I got grazed a little bit at a show once, but, you know, chairs can break and, yeah, you need to fucking move. Take that. Why yeah. would people think that they're not going to land on them? Like, a human is softer than a chair. If a wrestler's flying towards you, the wrestler's probably just going to be thinking, oh, good, something slightly more comfortable to land on than a steel chair. I've got a soft abdomen, Joe. I'm a fucking crash mat for the likes of the Young Bucks. I'm yeah, getting... I'd, I'd target you. I'm not going to lie. Jesus Christ. I do love that the Young Bucks, despite the fact that, you know, people would assume they're the indie darlings and all that, there is a legitimate 50-50 hate for the Young Bucks. Yeah. Let's go, Young Bucks. Fuck the Young Bucks. Mm. Not since big match John Cena have I seen people divide a crowd quite as much. <laughs> uh, Kevin Owens is on commentary as well. That's a great thing about the commentary in PWG. You'll just have wrestlers who are a bit funny. You know, Chuck Taylor did just one of the ones we watched as well. And Kevin Owens just is like, yeah, this match is going to be loads of high spots and uh, we're probably going to get sued, so I'm not going to say much. My commentary is going to suck, so... There was a clip you showed me where um, El Generico was wrestling (laughs) and the other announcer called him a big boy. (laughs) And Kevin C like couldn't stop. Kevin was laughing. Why'd you call him that? For like so long. (laughs) Why'd you call him a big boy? (laughs) Joe's watched all of Kitchen Nightmares recently so the word big boy makes her laugh quite a lot as is the phrase are you pulling my plonker like you know. So, they're pulling my plonker with how close everyone is to this action here. It's ridiculous. Like, straight away, they're diving to the outside. They kind of start as they mean to go on. Everyone get up. Yeah. We're all going to move around. Move your legs. It's good on a long show, though. You know, four or five hour show. You know, get the blood flowing. Get up yeah. and move around. It's good. You're not going to get any blood clots yeah. by attending a PWG show. It's like you see one of those kind of middle-aged people walking around with their hands behind their back in their socks on an airplane doing little squat thrusts. That's what they should do. They should have wrestling on an airplane. <laughs> They did that before. That was the plane ride from hell. But you're oh, yeah. Brock Lesnar and Kurt Hennig. It I didn't, take it back. It didn't it work didn't out. It didn't go so well. If you had wrestling in an airplane, you will see Ric Flair's penis. That is, There's no other way about it, unfortunately. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of old ECW shows uh, when I was seeing this in terms of the hard floor, the hard landings. <laughs> the parkeet flooring. Did you see that parkeet flooring? I did because I didn't know what type of flooring it was and Joe has revealed herself to be a bit of a master of knowing types of flooring. So Just some. Parkeet's one of my faves. It's really great. So parkeet flooring for the people at home if they don't know, it's like, what, like the little kind of wooden tiles? I'm not tiles? exposing the business like this, Kevin. This is a... Uh... A parkeet flooring isn't fake or anything. My like. father was a joiner and he's not fake, okay? You know? Okay, if, if my father knew I was telling you about the truth of parkeet flooring, he would hit you in the face. He would die and then roll over in his grave, like, that's how bad it would be. Parkeet flooring is, yeah, they're little wooden bricks and they slot in together 
Mm. And what is the hardest part of the parkeet flooring? I've heard about wrestlers, uh, you know, if you, if you land on the hardest part mm. of the parkeet flooring, it it's could be a career really career ending. Yeah. yeah, you'll see a lot of wrestlers throughout this uh, this match and a lot of other shows by PWG is they often use the hardest part of the parkeet flooring to their advantage. The hardest part of the parkeet flooring is the, the one loose brick ah. that's lifted up ever so slightly. It's not flat like the rest of them. And you can really cause some serious injury to someone by, like, say, stomping on their head on the uh, the slightly raised brick of the parkeet flooring. Yeah, because underneath, isn't there, underneath always in the hardest part of the parkeet flooring, there isn't there, there is always mm-hmm. a seldom used key for a window in mm-hmm. the room that it's in. Yeah. But very much so uh, in there always. <laughs> um, I will say, it reminds me a lot of ECW and I know we've done some stuff recently about ECW we've done some Sandman we've done the Dudley Boys we did Paul Heyman I will announce now not next but soon in the pipeline is in the next couple of episodes ECW is coming at you we are doing an episode on Extreme Championship Wrestling the rise the fall and the creamy middle it'll all be covered just so you know Joe there'll be a lot more people landing on floors in your not too distant future not parking flooring though. no no ECW wants to never go that extreme they're not, not mad men yeah, like, gross you know. they're, not, they're criminals Joe young Adam Cole with a little baby goatee oh he looks so ridiculous oh he's so cute he looks like such a jabroni he's not, it's not even a goatee it's like a chin strap it is yeah it's, it's funny it's the, I thought like there's nothing worse than a goatee and then I saw Adam Cole in 2012 and go I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm wrong. Hold my hands up, guys. I'm wrong. It's horrifying. It's 2012 as well. Because like, I was thinking, oh, that's all right. Like, that was kind of on trend in 2007. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I will say, any of Adam Cole's stuff, if you enjoy him in NXT, it's basically his stuff in PWG is that turned up to 20. So, yeah, definitely check that out. The books keep clearing the ring and then playing air guitar constantly. It is very much their their brand here is is, is making guitars out of anything that they can. <gasps> I find it so funny, especially when they use like chairs. Mm. They're so fucking smug. And aggressive. I love it. And it reminds me of Hulk Hogan, which obviously makes me angry. So they're working me. It's like if Hulk Hogan was an aggressive younger brother or something like that he's had too much sugar well, yeah they are totally of, younger brothers yeah yeah you can't say anything because they, they don't know any better just like, ignore just him. ignore them those young boys. you're only letting him wind you up player uno pushes Nick off the top of a ladder now the way he falls he, he flips over he bounces off the ropes and then kind of free falls to the outside when he's doing that, he's got the biggest fucking smile on his face in the world. Now, that for me was kind of... There's a moment of going too far of, I think, the point where it's kind of like the move that's being done to you and you're smiling. And yeah. I think when you take it to that level, I think... I don't. I know wrestling takes itself too seriously, but I think, personally, mm. that's my line that you shouldn't cross. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement there. I don't know how many times I could get involved into a match where someone's having a big old grin when they're doing the top spot like the top spot is sacred guys I mean I don't know actually if I would put that as a rule altogether no I mean it could be done I guess it just it was one of the biggest spills that he took in the whole match and he had a big old smile like yeah what are you happy about <laughs> you know this is gonna have you seen that fucking parkeed floor and that's where you're going mate it's not gonna <laughs> suck like Adam Cole does this amazing standing leap kick on Matt at the top of the ladder. He has this insane vertical leap where he manages from the ground to get to the top of the ladder. And, like, I do love that you've seen guys doing stuff that you know they probably would never pull out in a WWE ring because it's like, 
WWE, its style is about repetition and about stuff that you know and then maybe pulling it back a bit. But this is about showing you stuff that you've never seen before mm. and they frequently will do that. Kyle O'Reilly, eternally a young boy. He looks exactly the same here as he does six years in the future. Yeah. I, I don't know, I mean, is he handsome, Kyle O'Reilly? Handsome boy. He's not my my sort, but yeah, no. he's handsome enough. He's handsome Looks enough. like Finn Balor, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. yeah. A little bit more kind of like an evil, dark-sided Finn Balor. Yeah, yeah I that's that. so weird that you think he looks evil, because I think he's got such a natural baby face face. Oh, he looks totally like Gollum to me from Lord of the Rings. Like, like he's the way he's always kind of like, and rubbing his hands all weird and like kind of shooking and jiving. Rubbing his hands all weird. Yeah, he's always shooking and jiving. He's always jigging about like he's got... Rubbing inten- his hands all weird. Yeah, yo, like kickboxing shit. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, ah, lovely bit of kickboxing, like rubbing their hands together. You were properly doing, though, the yeah. kind of the green villain. I just, look, alright, don't have a go at me. I'm just saying that if I came downstairs and Kyle O'Reilly had a big bag with the word swag written on it and was taking all the sweet things from our fridge and all the nice, just the nice stuff generally, went, I wouldn't be, so, I, I wouldn't even be angry. I'd be like, typical. Hmm. That's what I expected of him. Always oh, shifting around, rubbing his I hands, all that. I don't think he's that. shifty at all. M- them, th- them kickboxes, shifty sorts. I don't trust you, and I don't trust Sagat from Street Fighter 2 either. He's got big brown, kind eyes. Kind eyes. So he lures you in with their warning signals, those eyes. He's like an owl. You're meant to be scared of them, Joe. Okay, so guys start getting really, really hurt and cut on these fucking awful, scary, thin ladders. Nick gets this horrible cut on the side of his fucking oh, head. Oh, no, it's horrible because he's... Oh, it's gross. He puts the ladder on his neck. Yeah, like he like, kind of like a whirly bird type of thing. Yeah, like yeah. he puts his head through one of the rungs and then like just swings the ladder around. He smacks his brother really fucking, fucking hard. whacks him right in the face and the ref and then everyone else as well. And he's bleeding the whole time. Oh. It looks so, so painful. I'm not sure if it's just great selling, but like when you get, someone spins around with a ladder and it gets you on the, the cornery bit and they they drop like they've been shot in the fucking head. Like, just, bleh, you know, your body immediately recoils into pain. I mean, how could you do that without that really hurting? I don't think you could. Well, I think they really did hurt themselves because yeah. these guys really bust themselves up. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think the Young Bucks maybe don't get credit for a lot. And you see it so much in PWG. So they really fucking put their bodies on the fucking line. Everyone's always so busy complaining about how they hate that the flips and all that shit that they do is like exposing the business. No one ever seems to think about the very real human costs. Mm-hmm. And the fact that those guys are still able to do what they do when they hurt. It hurts so much to do the things that they do. <sighs> Oh yeah, I will say, there's one thing about the commentary I didn't like. There was a one or two moments in this match where, like, I felt the commentary almost took away. Like, Player Uno from the Smash Bros, he had a moment where, like, the ring had all been cleared, everyone was gone. And it's like that kind of, you know, that I'm alone and I can win moment. You always get in the WWE match where, like, everyone looks starts cheering, he looks around and he's like, wait a minute, I'm alone. And they do the climb and everyone claps and all that. Like, the second he cleared the ring and he started to look around, the commentator was like, what the fuck's he doing standing there? Like, you should just climb. That's really stupid. It's dumb. And it's like, yeah. That's me on commentary. <laughs> Do not book Run this Run up moment. that ladder right now. <laughs> Don't waste any time. I love the fans start getting involved to the level where they actually help player Uno set up a table on the outside. That's really amazing. Future Shock do a double superplex to Matt off the top of a ladder through a table fucking insane I just some of these spots towards the end of this match were just like my mind was blown I found it difficult to keep up yeah they put Adam Cole inside a ladder oh that was horrible I didn't really like that why 
Well, I mean, it was a really cool idea. Mm. I liked the idea. Which they never seem to do, ever in WWE. No, they never do. So I like like it for that reason alone. But when they tried to do it, and they tried to put Adam Cole in the ladder in the first instance, and he obviously wasn't in secure enough. Mm. So he literally had to then get on his hands and knees and shuffle backwards into the ladder. And that immediately ruins it for me. If you have to do that, you shouldn't be... I don't think you should be doing the move Mm. like that if you have to then pretend yeah, it's not even pretending in. it's just literally him being like I'm not in safely I have to get up and move and put myself in safely this probably like such a, a small like window for, for any sort of error in that that mm. kind of yeah you, you'll get taken out of it I guess really in that sense and I appreciate them being safe obviously but I don't know I love that you said I appreciate them being safe and then what they do after he's safely in the ladder is suplex Kyle O'Reilly into him in the corner yeah, inside the ladder upside down mm-hmm. fucking horrible I couldn't believe it the Bucks come back into the ring and they both immediately go flying to the outside with a big scary apron DDT and a massive frog splash they then get their secret weapon which is helpfully pointed out in commentary oh my god that's a painter's ladder <laughs> <laughs> which means they can both climb up at the same time and in this beautiful moment, like, the referee had gotten smashed earlier. I didn't think anything of it. And the ref comes back, pushes them off the ladder, and then the referee does a dive to the outside. Yep. Thoughts on referee Knox there going flying to the outside? I love it. And it wasn't something I realised until, I think it was our Vince episode, where you mentioned that referees aren't allowed to really have names or characters which is something obviously because that's that's been the case the entire time I've been watching wrestling yeah the whole time no names the whole time and like also a lot of the matches that we've watched even in the past happen to have been matches where the refs aren't really involved Mm. so like the fact that this these types of promotions where the the ref is allowed to have a character and is allowed to be involved in the match I absolutely love it I think they should do it more often it's really really great like it just he's he's no nonsense he's no shit he's like here's your receipt like I'm gonna dive to the outside and do a somersault because honestly I think of refs as NPCs for the most part Mm. they're there they get in the way they're stupid and wrong all the time they can't see like outside their peripheral vision Mm. it's like it's funny like because it's like they're such a they can make the match so entertaining when they're involved and like this match I would love this and like towards the end I was lagging and then he came out and that was the like him doing that caused the Smash Bros to climb up and win and that was the end of the match and I felt so like jazzed up and I loved that their big match the idea was yeah the referee comes out and people would hate on that like a traditionalist will say that's a terrible end to a wrestling match because you know, a ref shouldn't do that. And then I think back to reading Ric Flair's book where he said that in like the late 70s or early 80s where he would do a spot where he would push the referee and then the referee would push him back and he'd fall on his butt and be like, what? And the crowd would do a big pop and he got uh, chastised for it because you're taking a bump for the ref and that's cheap heat. And it's oh, like, for fuck's sake. Anywhere in history, you will find people saying something is killing the business. Honestly, I hate the phrase cheap heat. I think it doesn't mean anything. It's just a phrase that people pull out of their arse when they they want to discredit something they don't like. Or people be like, oh, it's cheap heat when they come out and just make fun of the local sports teams. It's like, no, that's just lazy heat. There's a difference. Yeah, because that can be done really well. Yeah, like if it's relevant to the viewing audience, not just the people who are there in that building at the time. We saw Jack Evans when we saw him in Manchester Jack Evans has done a lot of stuff for PWG as well he came out in like the Liverpool 
top and like I don't, I don't know nothing about football but the hatred was palpable I'm in I live in Manchester I knew what was up yeah it was appropriate he probably knew just about as much as why they hate each other as I did like you know <laughs> but it still really worked yeah but yeah that match I love the finish it was my favourite parts of the match it was crazy there were so many spots where I've always thought if it's in a smaller arena smaller building you can't do the big high high dives the big spills to the outside because it's just dangerous the fans really did their job in this and not causing a lawsuit. But what did you think of this very flip-de-do, top-spot-filled match? I really enjoyed it uh, for the most... I say for the most part. Actually, it's the other way around. I think I really enjoyed some of the spots. Mm. Like, I really enjoyed the uh, the wildness of Nick Jackson using the ladder around mm. his neck. It was horrible. Horrible, horrible to watch. But also kind of really cool. Loved the ref involvement. But I'd say on the whole, it was a little bit tiresome to watch. Like, it was it was exhausting. Because, I mean, say, for instance, now, we're comparing that. This reminded me quite a lot of, say, you know, NXT recently had a, mm. a ladder match with a lot of people involved around their WrestleMania weekend. Would you say similar criticism in terms yeah. of loads of stuff happening nonstop? Is that, like, a PWG thing or is that a wrestling thing, I wonder, like? Um, or, I like, don't... that type of match? I don't think it's necessarily either. I mm. think it just depends on who's involved. But yeah, it's something that's definitely becoming um, more used in shows like NXT, for sure. Do you think there's like an upper limit on this? Because this is like, this here, this is the style, even though PWG does a lot of different things. I think this type, that match we just watched and talked about, that's the type of style, and that's the type of match where I think most of the mainstream is, is lifting from now, and that's kind of the tone that's being set. Mm. Do you think there's an upper limit on that? Like, should we... Like, if it's going to get even more wild than that, that's what people always say. Like, well, where do we draw the line? Like, if it's going to get even more wild than that, like, is it going to be unwatchable entirely then? No, of course. I don't think there's any worry about that. I don't... I don't think it's necessarily about drawing an upper limit because, I mean, the upper limit is basically what the human body is capable of doing and what the athleticism of the mm. talent involved is capable of doing. But I think... Probably if it's going to go further than that, I mean, logically it would seem that they'd... Because currently NXT is taking kind of like the repetitive use of, of high spots. Yeah. Whereas I think going forward, if they're going to be lifting more stuff from shows like PWG, they're going to have to start lifting things like the the scarier or more innovative aspects. Like, the, like the things I liked about that match wasn't the high spots, which is what's on NXT. It's, it's the fact that there was things I hadn't seen before, like yeah, the ref yeah. getting involved, like mm. the ladder being used as a terrifying weapon against absolutely everyone in the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess there's kind of, there's ways to innovate in there other than just doing more flips. Like, yeah. it's not just that, I think. And I say that as someone who loves flips. Mm. Yeah. I think wrestling will be fine. There'll always be a way, because it's like in the late 90s people were saying oh all these flips that are going on you know every generation has this argument yep just now because there's twitter and social media and everyone's got a fucking podcast and a hot take involved <laughs> in wrestling it's true though I think it's you know back in the day I wouldn't have known what Jim Cornette thought about half the flippy shit because he wasn't talking about it 24-7 for a podcast yeah you know it's, it's so much more open now I think it feels like it's a bigger discussion now than it was then but I think it's the same really mm. Joe your rating for this match I enjoyed it but I only gave it two and a half stars out of five because it was quite exhausting to watch mm. so i'd say I'd, I'd definitely recommend it it's interesting mm. it's a match which again people have cited as being like one of the best or one of their favorites but i think the thing is with pwg because it moves so fast and it's always innovating what is 
from a form a year ago, widely regarded as the best match ever, is like literally yesterday's news. Well, exactly. Like that's that's the thing. <laughs> so many of the wrestlers in a lot of the matches we watched are such established stars now, mm, and they've gone on done so many amazing things in other companies. Yeah. Like it's quite. It's quite hard to narrow it down in that sense, yeah. So we wanted to try and get a bit of a sense of some of the more of the aspects or different strings to uh, the bow that is PWG. And one of their signature match types I mentioned earlier briefly is the Guerrilla Warfare match, which is where in a smaller number you take on a much bigger team and demonize and dehumanize them and demoralize them by uh, taking them out one by one, much like the Irish did to the invading British army. No, I'm, I'm, it's not. It's a hardcore match. I'm sorry. I want it to be political. <laughs> I want to be. I'm. I'm 30 now, so I think I have to be more political. So I just thought I'd bring up that. You know, it's all right. It's fine. We're looking at Kevin Steen versus Super Dragon from Astonishing Xmas 2005, one which was the oldest recommended match from PWG, and it's something I really wanted to check out because you know PWG wasn't necessarily as talked about back then as it was now. When they did their first show, they didn't think it would survive. It was like, let's raise money for one show. And then it's like, oh, we made enough money just about to do another show. And that's kind of how they've continued ever since. So this match features a very interesting individual. I mean, Kevin Owens, here known as Kevin Steen, someone who you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Someone's not checked out much wrestling yet. How would you describe Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen as he was known in a sentence? He's the... High school bully that everyone is scared of, including the teachers. <laughs> and now that he is a full-grown man, he just bullies other adults. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Steen, especially Kevin Steen, like here where he's like super young. He's Thirteen years ago, yeah. So scary looking because like he looks like one of those boys that you get who is like twelve years old but gone through a real growth spurt, very very young. <laughs> And so, like, you know, you see him hanging outside a bar or something, you assume he's, like, in his 20s and have a fight with him, and it turns out he's 12, and you've just beaten up a child. And his parents come, yeah. like, give out to you. How could you? He's 12! Yeah, I'm 12. <laughs> Here, particularly, he has shades of later books Dudley Dursley when he became yeah. a proper fucking piece of work, yeah. like... I am so scared of, of Kevin Steen. Yeah. Here, he's scarier than he is now. Mm. Because here... He knows that if 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 you fight him, you'll go to prison. <laughs> Whereas he'll only go to juvie because he's only twelve. He won't go to prison. His parents will go to prison or something yeah. like that. Like yeah, it'll be fine. He'll get to play GTA three later on tonight anyway. I don't care, mom. <laughs> the other man in this match regards me one of the stiffest men in wrestling, a SoCal legend and one of the founders and only one of the only surviving members of the original six who started PWG. A man called Super Dragon, who now is retired and fills his days doing all the editing, booking, and all the social media stuff for all of... He does all the YouTube editing, he edits the shows. That's his job. He pretty much is the linchpin, the backbone of this whole organization. Joe, had you ever heard of the name Super Dragon before we watched this match? No, never. But it makes a lot of sense why he doesn't want PWG to be this big name thing if he's doing all of this at the moment himself. Yeah, that's true. I mean, nice little ego him, boost, yeah. isn't it? Well, I was going to say, like, not necessarily an ego boost, but kind of if he thinks that him and the other guy are the only guys who can do it and they're doing so much, it's like, you know, I don't want to bring anyone else in. Maybe he doesn't want anyone else to edit the shows. Learn to delegate, man. <laughs> Learn to delegate. I did show Joe just because, you know, Super Dragon, like, hey, if you look up about Super Dragon, anyone will talk about him. It's like, oh, Super Dragon will kill you for real, man. He's like, he's a tall, stiff badass. Like, in, in his matches, he is 
known for being very, very stiff. Stiff, the word in wrestling meaning hit you for a little bit real. You're probably going to feel it when this guy's wrestling you. The first thing you showed me to do with Super Dragon was a clip of a fan really annoyingly chanting uh, Super Dragon just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and no one else joining in. I'm funny. Just, f- sorry, sorry. And he just would not fucking take the fucking hint to stop. The first minute, I think it was maybe he thought someone was going to join in and then he was like, he was too embarrassed to stop. The first minute? Have you ever tried starting a chant? You know immediately if it's going to take off. I tried to start a chant once at a small indie show and I was like, I can't remember what it was I was saying, but like the moment I started chanting and I realised no one was joining, I was like, See, that's what happens when you've got no social anxiety whatsoever. You chant Super Dragon at one of the most dangerous men in wrestling. This is why everyone should have just a bit of social anxiety. Still a bit sore that no one picked up on my What has Pete done chant from the UK Championships earlier in the year. Terrible. Whatever, it's fine. But yeah, this this annoying fan keeps chanting Super Dragon over and over and over (laughs) until eventually Super Dragon himself jumps over the ring and like launches himself at the guy like shut up he's like he's literally like at the barricade yeah. and he's like fucking stop and then the guy goes super and then he jumps over the barricade yeah. shut up shut up will you please shut up <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of super dragon's look it's a name i've heard so much and honestly botchamania famously used that clip of you know the super dragon chant and that's kind of all I really knew Super Dragon for. I never really watched many of his matches. So, what do you think of his look here? Is he? A, I mean, there are lots of dragons. There's Ultimo dragons in in wrestling. There's all sorts, but this is a Super Dragon. Mm. Does he look like a Super Dragon to you? No, I hate his look. Oh, really? I hate his whole outfit, I hate so much. He looks like a Lucha Guy Fieri. <laughs> Lucha Guy Fieri? Yeah, and I'm not wrong. Why is he Lucha Guy Fieri? He's got, like, flames on him. The dragons! Whatever. (laughs) Although Guy Fieri would wear a dragon shirt now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Also, he's got those little sleeves with the thumb holes in. Hmm? I'm sorry, but Jeff Hardy is the only person who can pull that look off and Jeff even Hardy, he is struggling uh, Jeff Hardy and all of us when we were 14 and going through our goth phases <laughs> are the only ones who can pull that shit off Super Dragon is kind of like viewed as being like the undertaker of PWG in some ways in that he's like you know he's like the, the guy who's been there the longest he's the guy with the kind of the reputation the, the kind of he's leader the guy that runs the social media yeah I mean it's like if, Under, like if Undertaker had all those responsibilities I'd love to see the Undertaker run WWE's social media Vince I'm sorry I was unable to edit Wrestlemania in time I have <laughs> what I've done so far <laughs> on a thumb drive <laughs> it would be quite quite distressing if he was in charge of that type of a thing yeah so you didn't like his look. No. But from the get-go in this match, which I can honestly say is one of the most scary matches I've ever watched, how would you describe his style? Were you scared by what he was doing? It's hard to say what his style is because I, I wouldn't say this match is probably... I would assume this match isn't typical of his style. Oh, kind of is. Like, he's a brawler. He's like... He can do some amazing flips and whatnot, but he was known primarily for hard strikes, hard shots, sore-looking moves... Throwing chairs, throwing people into chairs, throwing oh, well chairs then, into okay, people. Okay, I've got a very good idea of what he's like as a wrestler then. Yeah, because this match literally started with him smacking Kevin Steen in the head with a steel chair. Oh, God. Some of the shots in this are fucking It's hard. really gross. Honestly, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the unprotected he- headshots. I kind of got the feeling with this match, 
and this happens quite a lot, for a lot of people, when they're asked best match, very often what fits into that category is match where you went, ho ho, the most, or match where you were most shocked, or match where you were most convinced that the people were being hurt for real, or that it was somehow more authentic. There's a bit of that with the kind of the strong style in Japan, people loving the matches where people are hitting each other really fucking hard. And I get that, but I wonder why is it for so many fans that those are the two things that kind of go together. It's like best match also has to be sorest, loudest. Like you can have an incredible match without fucking killing each other. And these guys fucking kill each other. I think it's probably something to do with the old ECW days and then Mm. leftover Attitude Era style. Mm. Back when it was considered to be like, oh, you think wrestling's fake, huh? Well, I'll show you wrestling isn't fake at all by literally giving myself several concussions. Oh, Joe, you have no idea. Like, honestly, I, you just as soon as you said that, I was like, you do ECW, you see a big guy. Like, uh-huh. like, you have no idea. But I do think, yeah, because that, that old fan base, the ECW fan base, that still makes up the core of what would consider themselves to be the hardcore yeah. internet wrestling community. You know, buy the DVDs on day one. You know, those are those are those fans still, I guess. So I I don't like it personally because I it, it's just such a disparity from my own beliefs of what makes a good match. Mm. Like to me, it's so story based and it's all about pacing and. These were two guys who, like, I mean, the story was that Kevin Steen wanted to kill Super Dragon, and Super Dragon wanted to kill Kevin Steen. That's not a story. <laughs> That's a wrestling match. It was really scary. Like, at the start, you ran 10 minutes them in the crowd, and they literally knocked over. I don't think there was a single chair left no. standing. They threw them into, like, just proper tosses. Yeah. They're not like, kind of, oh, I'm going to lean over and knock into these, as in, you're slamming onto those collapsing everywhere it's amazing that they got the fucking uh, deposit back on the VA hall after this one those chairs took a licking let me Seriously, tell you all the chairs were ruined by the end of this match the real scary stuff did actually happen though when they headed into the ring Seth Rollins is the old curb stomp that's his Blech. finisher you, oh, what are your thoughts on the curb stomp are you not a fan well, the curb stomp in general. Well, like, you know, Seth does the curb stomp where it's like the head gets yeah, I love smashed the curb in stomp. there it's my, one of my favourite moves how come you were so wincing when Super Dragon was doing his curb stomp where he traps in the legs and pulls back your arms and then kicks your head forward into the mass? Well, because one, he did it to him with a chair underneath his head. <laughs> oh, That's so horrible! Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, God. Like, that is instantly ten times grosser than mm. Seth Rollins doing his little and also Seth Rollins the way he does a curb stomp is very theatrical it's, it's like a Mario thing it's, like. yeah it's exactly <laughs> he, he obviously you know it's quite safe what he's doing mm. he doesn't ever really make full contact with their like their head and the floor it's, mm. it's mostly them doing the work for him yeah yeah whereas this was literally just I'm going to stamp on your head and slap you in the sides a few times and yeah. slap you on the back of the head like there were so many like random like he's about to do a sore move come here like just slap him in the face or slap him on the side there was so much that to both guys it was like you really felt like that these guys had just agreed beforehand we're gonna fucking really beat the shit out of each other yeah and the thing that is strange to me is that you look at that last match you could argue that there's people in there who were probably wrestling to get noticed mm. that's 2012 maybe not so many people are watching nowadays like bola this year all eyes are on it from wwe yeah but 2005, ain't no one from WWE watching this. No. Like, this is killing yourself for not to get a job, just for 
the lo- I mean, it comes back to the Jimmy Havoc thing, I guess. It's what the guys like doing, isn't it? I guess. I mean, I, I don't know, though, because someone like Kevin Steen obviously has gone on to do a slightly safer style of wrestling mm. as he's gotten older. So, I don't know. Is it because he loves doing it? Is it because he wanted to prove that he could? I think for him, at the time particularly... I think that he was overcompensating for his body by doing mm. that. And that's something you'll see with a lot of other wrestlers with kind of maybe atypical body shapes who don't necessarily consciously are doing it, but because you're bigger and you can absorb a bit more punishment on the back or whatever, like Mick Foley was very similar, and you overcompensate for not having the chiseled abs and the best look by taking a lot of pain. Mm. And I, it's it's hard to watch. It is. It's really hard. You get an ironic super dragon chant from someone in the crowd, and then Kevin Steen just turns and calmly says, Shut the fuck up or I'll kill you. Eee! This is not the man who loves zoos. This is a much different Kevin Steen, isn't it? Like He's so scary. Mm. He's so, so scary. Can you imagine being like Kevin Steen's like teacher of a parents' evening? Jesus Christ. Now he's, he's honestly from experience, he's the type of guy who's parents either wouldn't come or would come and be so defensive of oh them yeah that's that what like, i think they'd be yeah. super defensive what do you mean our oh, kevin's lovely he happens to enjoy power bombing his classmates on the ring apron yes i know it's the hardest part of the ring that's not to the point is it's it parkeet flooring kevin now come on <laughs> keep up this is a, a strong sign of how this match went for both of us i'm getting strong signals that joe needs a hug during this <laughs> yes i've got my note here gross Super Dragon jumped from the top rope onto Kevin's head on a chair. Yeah, that Remember was... that? That, that was horrible. That came right after the curb stomp onto the chair. But it was all fun and games, Joe. People stomping their heads onto chairs and jumping off onto chairs. They really crossed the line. It was yeah. a Christmas show. You pointed it out. Sick. They got the weapon to end all weapons, Joe. The ultimate Christmas weapon. A fucking Panettone tin. A big old Panettone tin. Those things are way harder than a steel chair. Can you imagine? That would have been so much worse if instead of all the steel chairs, it was just, you know, hundreds of Panettone tins. It does. It really, like, struck me quite, you know, something that William Regal said when we saw him live. He was like, you will react more as a fan if someone does something that you can relate to and you know what it would be like. And when he came in with that Panettone tin and he just went, bang, and he sat and went, oh my God, because we've got one in the kitchen. And it's it's like, dirty you, as fuck. We put loose biscuits in it. Like, you know, it's <laughs> it's a proper way to it. So yeah, we got it like. They're really lucky they didn't have any Panettone inside or else it would have been more like one of those light tubes <laughs> full of dust. Like, oh, <laughs> I can't breathe. Oh, there's mixed peel in my eye. Oh, it's in my lungs. <sighs> we got a word that he's been taken to a local medical facility he yes he did inhale a lot of the powdered sugar that came within and the mixed peel did scratch his cornea and uh yes we'll keep you updated on the progress as the night goes on it's a fucking dark weapon to be using oh but there's tax inside instead oh god yeah there's tax inside i've forgotten about the two rounds of tax yeah we got a power bomb onto tax a package pile driver onto a pile of chairs and then kevin owns the society's this isn't fucking worth it. I'm leaving. And he leaves. And then returns with a board covered in barbed wire. This is like literally like wrestling violent match bingo. Yeah. You know, they, they did all the, the main ones here. Kevin goes through it after getting a double arm suplex off the top rope. It was fucking unbelievable. Like he then picks him up and does this scary, it's called a psycho driver. He picks you up kind of like an a backward you're like lying with your head up to the ceiling on his shoulders and he tilts you forward and drops you on your head he did that off the apron through a table and that was like 
Like everything up to that point, I could convince myself, oh, you know, it's going to suck in the morning, but it's okay. But when he did that and Kevin landed right in his head, I was like, like on the barbed wire. Yeah, I'm like, okay, here we got a serious fucking issue that's going on here. And I, it looked like he kind of landed on his face as oh, well. The best thing about it is to show you like the fans' priorities. Is Kevin Owens is like, literally in serious problems, like big pain, and then fans come over and start like grabbing Super Dragon's arm, like "You okay, buddy?" After doing that big move onto him, like you know, <laughs> you're all right. He must have been heavy to lift him up. Oh, you're all right. Is your back okay? Like, does the Dragon Driver again off the top rope onto thumbtacks while Kevin Owens is handcuffed? Super Dragon wins. That was a match where I think. A minute or two in, I realized that, yeah, I think I might regret watching this. By the end of it, I was glad I'd seen it hmm. because they do these guerrilla warfare matches. They do do a lot of, like, proper hardcore blood and guts. Not to this extent anymore. And, like, Super Dragon, is he's retired because of, like, all the injuries he's accumulated from stuff like this. Uh, and also, you know, Excalibur, who was the guy on commentary, he's one of the co-founders of the company, he had to retire in 2007 from concussion issues well there's a surprise and it's like I think it's worth bearing in mind while PWG is now this very flashy bright ultra cool ultra colourful you know everyone's invited to the party super fun comedy show or whatever it has its roots in very similar places to the likes of CZW uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, and ECW it got a lot of notoriety from its guys beating the shit out of each other what did you think of this one Joe? I liked some of this match, uh, not as much as the first one, I would say. The use of the Panatoni I thought was very funny, um, and I did find it quite shocking how many of the chairs were totally wrecked by mm. them just constantly. I mean, they barely went in the ring, really. It wasn't until like, quite near the end when the pins were introduced that they even yeah. went in there. The rest <laughs> of it was just set on chairs. It was, it was very, very violent. I mean, yeah. The final move where Super Dragon tombstoned Kevin Owens through the through the table, that shocked me so much. I went, <gasps> grabbed my face, but I had put on a skincare mask <laughs> to look after my stressed skin after watching all these stressful matches, and it made me take off half the mask with my hands. And therefore, have you deducted it accordingly in your yeah, star so rating? Yeah, so I was going to give it two and a half stars, but it's only got two stars because <laughs> I did kind of you know ruin my own face mask yeah I mean those don't come cheap do they so well they take a lot of I had to keep that on for 15 minutes like well that. thanks a lot Super Dragon and Kevin Seen for dropping Joe right in it now that's yeah. what you've done lost a star rating for that one yeah, it's just, yeah I mean if they want to compensate me by giving me some more skin masks that's, that's fine <laughs> But yeah, two two stars. It was it was fun. I don't know if I'd recommend it to people. No, it was more a match I think to illustrate PWG's past than PWG's present. Yeah, and that's the thing as well with PWG. I mean, with a lot of it, I would say like don't just hop in the time machine and kind of go, hey, pick any random show, you'll have fun. Like with Progress, I would suggest watching it from the start, watching through because there's so many stories and whatnot. But PWG because it's like. It's not a continuous story. It's kind of, it's like freeform jazz a lot of the time. Sometimes they miss the mark. And sometimes what was a real poignant and important match in 2005 in the light of day in 2018 seems like it's a bit too much and kind of going in the wrong direction to where wrestling actually went. Yeah. That's kind of like, wrestling didn't go down that route, really. Wrestling went elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. Parallel universe, perhaps. Yeah. might have gone more in that direction. But I mean... It's something that we've been tweeted about a fair bit as well, where people kind of be like, hey, look at this fucking 
edgy thing that they did that's aged really poorly. Like, there's a lot of times when you look back in PWG and, you know, I'm not slated for it because... I'm sure we all have shit that we said and did in 2007 or 2009 or whenever it was, which is like, oh, man, didn't realize that people were, you know, you know, tastes have moved on. I think uh, what's considered polite and respectful has definitely moved on. Yeah. And I do think when you look back, there's some compilations of like backstage skits and whatnot. And I think we touched on it a bit with the El Generico as well, where... It feels like sometimes when you have all the super best friends run their fun wrestling show together and there's no like there's no stern voice to put the hand on the shoulder and say, Maybe don't make that rape joke. Maybe yeah. don't make that joke about him being gay. Maybe don't make that joke about you being black when you're actually white because you think it's so funny and edgy. Mm. I don't think it's all it's not coming from a place of hate. No. Um, and I'd be the first to admit that, you know, when I was seventeen, you know, back in two thousand and seven I was a fucking shitty edgelord. Mm. So and you know, they're obviously a bit older than me, but yeah. only by a few years. I'd like to think that these people have kind of moved with the times, really. I can't imagine people like Kevin Owens and... Samoa Joe, Chris Samoa Hero, jo- yeah, Daniel like, Bryan, they seem like... They seem like mostly quite progressive, well-informed people now. Yeah. So I think it's just one of the things not to say, don't watch PWG because of it, but don't be like, whoa, PWG seems like so much fun. I'm just going to pop on a random show. And, ah, they're making really... You know, to take it with a pinch of salt it's jazz you know sometimes they hit the sweet notes and sometimes it's fucking beautiful other times they go off in a different direction and it doesn't really make a lot of sense it doesn't mm. really work they attempt a lot of comedy some of it is spectacular some of it misses the mark if you want proper comedy watch Daniel Bryan try and keep a straight face as Paul Lund cuts a promo about him being the American Dolphin in his two man pods <laughs> Paul London, who is basically Fandango. <laughs> I loved that so much. Oh, also, Kenny Omega and Chuck Taylor. Yeah. Pretending to be characters from West Side Story. This ain't over, Generico. Like, <laughs> stay out of Reseda. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of great stuff, and I think it's kind of anything that's experimental from back in those days. If you're brave enough to be experimental during that time where you didn't have to really be, you know, you didn't. You know, if you put on just some kind of show that had big names or whatever that's all people would have been happy to see but they were experimental sometimes it didn't hit the nail on the head some of it is aged badly I think that is a match that maybe is aged poorly by modern tastes I don't think a lot of people would look at that match and kind of go that's what we need to have on TV now it's kind of like that that's the past honestly the chair shots were the worst bit for me mm. just like I, I hate unprotected chair shots to the head it ever. was before we knew I guess I know, you know? But, but still there were warning signs I think that people were maybe willfully neglecting I don't think anyone was thinking of being smacked in the head with a chair with your arms tied behind your back was good for you no plenty of precedent to tell you otherwise yeah coming up next we decided we wanted to dip our toes and sink our teeth into the hot button issue of the day and definitely an organisation that has caused a lot of discussion on the topic I'm talking about intergender wrestling specifically the great work of Candice LeRae Candice LeRae who was brought in Via Joey Ryan, who's one of the uh, kind of mainstays in PWG for a number of years, who's since kind of departed. Candice LeRae is now in NXT. I fucking love Candice LeRae. She's awesome. How would you describe her for kind of a new fan or someone who's not familiar with Candice? I mean, I'm not even massively familiar with Candice LeRae. Mm. I mean, I saw her obviously in our Young Bucks match yeah. where she took a mouthful of drawing pins 
to be kicked in the face in and mouth, just like. covered covered in blood everywhere. She's just made of blood at that point. So she's fucking badass for sure. I know that she does a lot of intergender wrestling with like mm. Joey Ryan. Yep. They were a tag team for a long time called yeah. the World's Cutest Tag World's Team. Cutest tag Team, which we watched, uh, that was their match yeah. with the Young Bucks. And I know that she's on NXT currently. I know that she's obviously married to Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. And those kids look like they're so in love. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, it's weird because like she's on NXT and even though he's wrestling, she, well, I mean, she has wrestled like one She has match wrestled now. once or twice now, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, it's strange because she wasn't really wrestling. I think, yeah, she's still yet to kind of fully come out and be the, like she will be the top woman in NXT. It's, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So why would they be holding her back then? Because there's some other characters who probably are getting developed a bit first so she has people to fight against. You know, they've. I think NXT is one of those places where, because they kind of they clear the slate and start over so many times, they have to build some people up. I have no doubt in my mind that she's going to be, like, in the next two to three years, she is going to be the name in in rest, not just women's wrestling, in wrestling, like, because Candice LeRae is like got like such a fucking perfect look for wrestling and the fact that she's involved with so much stuff like intergender wrestling and she's shown how fucking tough she is and I think she's done. A whole hell of a lot for the cause of women's wrestling, I think. Intergender wrestling. We've talked a bit about it before. What's your take on the whole stance? Should it be a part of shows as normal? Should it be something that is used uh, like high profile and featured? Is it somewhere where there's a lot of money to be made? Triple H and Ronda Rousey were certainly tantalizing us at WrestleMania this year. Do you think it's time for intergender wrestling to be the mainstream? If by mainstream you mean WWE, then no. Mm. I don't think WWE is ready. Mm. Like, I don't think it's ready as an organisation. I don't think its fan base is ready. You still see a lot of people online say, oh, intergender wrestling, you know, exposes the business. Like, it's totally unrealistic. Like, you'd people never... hate on it Yeah, so they really much. do. And But, like, I don't see the logic behind it whatsoever. Because as soon as you start asking these people what their actual issue with it is... It gets really you weird, You can be yeah. disproved as... Immediately, because you have like someone like Daniel Bryan fight Big Cass. The height disparity between them is equally similar to the average height disparity between like a big guy and an average sized woman. And I think we mentioned in our Vince episode something I kind of had been thinking about and I've been dwelling on a lot, which is I was, you know, I'm for in, uh, intergender wrestling, but the issue I, I think I said was that I'm a bit worried about the constant story of, oh, he's so big and strong and. She has to, you know, use her wits and it's only when the, the big strong man is like, look how big and strong I am. That's mm-hmm. when the woman can get her, her in. It, you know, it's like the story is the man is better than the woman. Only when the man lets his guard down does the woman have a chance. Yeah. And I've watched a lot of fabulous intergender wrestling, but it has followed that formula. Sarah Del Rey had an amazing match with Cesaro. Uh, Sarah Del Rey is the main trainer for women in NXT and WWE and the main agent for them at the moment. Cesaro, amazing wrestler. They had an incredible match, but the match was still very much, he's the big strong man, but only when he let his guard down or kind of slipped on a banana peel. So I want it as well, but I want there to be more variety with this. Do you think that there exists enough different kind of body types and shapes in wrestling for us to have that, to have those different kind of stories be told? Yeah, absolutely I do. Because, I don't know, it's just so silly to distill it down to, oh, can you believe that a woman would ever take down a man? Mm. Like, why? Unless you genuinely believe there's an innate disparity of talent or skill, Mm. then there's no reason why that should be an issue. 
but I, I am worried that like the the people involved with the booking of shows at WWE because it's it's you know obviously hugely male dominated. Yeah. There's no female writers on the creative team at the moment. I I, I couldn't say I couldn't confirm it either because they're notoriously secretive. But I would say historically, little to no women on the writing team. Yeah. From what I've read, I've heard there's no women on the creative writing team. Wow, jeez. I think without that presence, yeah, it's a lot more likely to fall into the realms of oh, it's this big strong guy and the quick witted like mm. you know clever sneaky woman because that's the story that we can all buy into well that's the story that the, uh, apparently the, the, these guys who book these shows the only scenario they can possibly fathom and I think a lot of it as well is to do with because obviously wrestling is predetermined and the moves require so much cooperation from your opponent mm. that you have to have to have to have male wrestlers who are okay with putting over women yeah and historically that ain't always been the case and I don't I mean I guess historically, I mean, we talked a bit about in the China episode, and she had a lot of men who were not happy about having to put her over. Yeah. Like, and some would say, some said it was because it was a skill disparity. Like, she's not trained properly, or she's not skilled enough, and it makes reflects badly on me. But it's just by an and ego large, issue. It was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's entirely ego, and a lot of these men feel like. I know their fragile masculinity is somehow threatened if they ever let themselves lose against a woman. There is another side to it, Don. It's not one I don't think we've we've touched on, but it's one that's actually come up a few times um, in the past, not because of the wrestling companies, but because of the TV networks. They did a few angles in TNA involving like men wrestling women, and the networks put the kibosh on it because they said, you are not showing a man lay a hand on a woman on our network because that's wrong and that's against our values and a lot of people not not one of them a lot of people will take the point have said this on twitter when yeah. they're, you know people all get on their fucking you know on their high horse and trumpet about why they hate intergender wrestling i will say i just don't like seeing a man strike a woman it's usually a man who will say that but they say yeah. that it's uncomfortable to see that and that it sends a bad message and then if a young boy or a young young man was watching that that's sending a message that not that it's okay but look it's being presented as normal that a man can hit a woman i saw recently that jimmy havoc's been taking down a couple of guys with those attitudes yeah. on, on twitter mm. um like, God, Jimmy Havoc is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't he? It's great as well because he won't even give him like, the time. They'll be like, just, just shut the fuck up, you cunt. <laughs> Fine, good, go for it. I think to have that attitude requires such an internalised attitude of, mm. of what you think women are. Like if you genuinely think there's no way a woman could overpower a man, I think that's a lot more about you than it does about rest. Mm. than it does about wrestling. Specifically to the man being physically involved with the woman. Some people say, oh, it's poor taste. Some will watch that and be offended. But I think it's only going to be in poor taste if it's handled in poor taste. Mm. Like, it's a competitive sport. That's what we're telling ourselves in kayfabe. Yeah. If we're not exposing the business. It's supposed to be athletes competing against each other yeah. for a title, right? And I don't think anyone would ever pull a face or kind of go, hey, hang on a second, when like a female character gets killed by a male character on no. TV, which is kind of... That's basically TV in 2018. Yeah. It's mostly that, like... And we all know, as wrestling fans, that the moves are enacted in a way that is to reduce as much damage as physically possible. Yeah. So, if you have no issue with Big Cass beating up Daniel Bryan, mm. why is it any different for a man to beat up a woman within the context of wrestling, as in they are competing against each other... 
Like, why? I don't see why there's any difference in that whatsoever. Because there's no actual violence being performed against the woman. They're not yeah. glorifying it as, ha ha, I'm a man going to beat up this little whiny woman. Well, so it, it does come into that sometimes. Well, and then yeah. in those instances, I think, yeah, that will reinforce maybe damaging stereotypes about, like, domestic violence and things. So, yeah, I think it's, like, being more creative with your approach kind of will answer most of those issues that people seem to have I think it's like just don't tell this one fucking story yeah. and that's why I was really glad this match was recommended to us as kind of a real good showing from Candice LeRae she's taking on Trent question mark from the Mystery Vortex 4 in 2017 and what's awesome and really amazing about this match is it plays off a size disadvantage but it doesn't fought. there's subtle things that they do in this match where it doesn't just be that fucking story that we're sick and tired of talking about, basically. And I fucking loved it as a result. I thought it was really, really interesting. Trent, of course, the whole idea of this, it's Mystery Vortex. You don't know who your opponent is. Mm. So Trent is kind of like, I don't want to wrestle a woman. Mm. And he doesn't want to wrestle a woman because he feels weird about it. Which, that's like, I think that's a good thing to... to put across it's certainly better than like a ha I'm not fighting a woman I mean most male athletes if they were randomly told yeah you're gonna fight a woman now good luck fucking you know good luck with that it's, it's a bit of a head fuck it's a bit of a it's different but for them right in context because it's wrestling but yeah in wrestling normally you don't fight the opposite gender I guess it's kind of what they're trying to play off isn't it in wrestling also you don't have invisible hand grenades <laughs> you don't put someone in a tree of woe and they just like just stay there like yeah, you've got yeah. to suspend your disbelief it's wrestling that's mm. the whole point I guess it's, I like that he was able to convey an unwillingness that wasn't just about like you're a girl you know it was just like it felt like he was conflicted with doing stuff like there was a spot early where he did a slam and he was like oh god like he didn't realise like how easy it was to slam her and mm. he slammed her like super hard and it's almost like not that he regretted it but he was just coming to terms with this was a different scenario for him and very different unique I don't know maybe I'm reading way too much into it and giving it far too much credit but I just kind of like that they were able to touch on that mm. am I making any sense no you're making sense I'm not <laughs> sure if I would personally agree mm. because of the outcome yeah true I think if they wanted to do that really well they could have let her win and that really proves the point yeah, yeah. but spoilers she lost mm. So, because the, the whole... The, I do love the story of this match, which is that he, he doesn't really take her seriously almost as an, as an opponent and just assumes that because he's a guy, of course he's going to win. He's stronger. Yeah. And then she keeps on managing to, like, surprise him by, like, saying, like, right, you know, if you're going to take not take me seriously, well, that's your own loss then, isn't it? And it's no kind of like, oh, hang on, wait a second. It's just like, no, he's like... she's getting on with business. <laughs> yeah. It's a match. She's a wrestler. <laughs> she's here to wrestle him. And, yeah, he hesitates for one second and she, he's like, lost. fucking, bam, smacks him right in the head and throws him to the end. And she does some fucking fabulous moves in this oh, match. Oh, absolutely. Like, I just love that she's doing all those kind of moves that, you know, I think there's still some people that hold over, like, wrestling stereotypes from years gone by that women don't do certain moves and they don't do dives and they don't do springboards and they don't do kind of crazy high-risk moves. But, like, that's all because of the rule set in place yeah. within the wrestling industry. Just of don't like, do those things. Yeah, women aren't supposed to do those moves. Women aren't even are supposed to hit each other what was one of the arbitrary rules we discussed you're not allowed to punch yeah no no fists you can only do forearms ridiculous and it's so funny like it's so funny me and Adam are watching Smackdown at the moment it's like early 2000 and like they can't even do proper slams and stuff they're like doing like kind of monkey flips and pratfalls it's really horrible to watch it's so hokey and then they're left with just slaps all the goddamn time yeah it's 
crap. Yeah. So I love here that Candice is just kind of showing, hey, you know, women can do these moves just just as easy as men. If anything, they're slightly more spectacular because she's so fucking tiny and nimble mm. and she flies through the air like a bird. It's unbelievable. And I think, yeah, that it tells a really cool story because obviously within kayfabe, it just makes her look fucking strong as shit that she flipped this guy over yeah. know, three times her size, he is. She's like an ant. But within, <laughs> within the shoot scenario, he had to do that move kind of for her yeah. because that's how moves like that work. Mm. The the victim of the move is the one who actually does all the hard work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to have that male wrestler has to have that attitude of, yeah, I'm totally fine with putting her over. Of course I am. And he does a great, like he sells for her like, oh, yeah. spectacularly. So in this. well. And speaking of selling, like it's something which, honestly, it made me a bit uncomfortable at the start. I'm kind of more into it now. I've watched more intergender wrestling. But watching the likes of Candice LeRae, the way she ragdolls, like he'll do it just a simple clothesline, her body will spit in the air like it's a fucking I trash bag it. flowing in the breeze. I will always enjoy seeing anyone of any gender like throw <laughs> a smaller person of any gender just lobbing them into the into the sky. Yeah, it's a universal fun thing in wrestling. It's great. See someone small get thrown away someone big. Yeah. And if we get rid of gender and all that, it's a fun thing. We just need to leave our prejudices at the door and enjoy the small person get thrown around by the big person <laughs> and then the small person can do a move on the big person and yeah, that's fun as well exactly there's a really brilliant moment I was like I wanted to talk about him and talk about it and I couldn't find a right moment and gloriously it appeared in this match randomly Trent gets confused and starts arguing with an old man in the crowd the old man in question is Legion Larry the man who runs the VA hall where they do these shows <laughs> a veteran of the Vietnam War and an owner of a flashlight who just smiles and goes <laughs> and flashes a little torch at him why was he doing that? I don't know because it's all I could think was is like right view him as being like your dad or your granddad <laughs> And if your dad or your granddad was in that situation, what would they do? And if they had a flashlight, they probably would go, ooh, like, you know. It's it's the one move a granddad can do other than grabbing you and go, which you told me, assured me, is a, is a, is a, is a granddad move. Whoa, well, hang on. When you just say it like that, it makes it sound creepy and weird. Why? Well, yeah, because they just went, like he's a ghost. <laughs> yeah. The move in particular is the granddad holds you. And gives you a bit of a shake and no, goes. No, he doesn't Whoa. just do that. You sit them on your lap and you do a horsey. Oh, and that's the noise of the horse. Th- that's the noise of the horse whinnying. There's a whole other bit. Jesus. Okay, it's not just the horse. Okay, you got to trot around. You're playing the different characters, and then eventually it becomes the. Oh, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, I wouldn't because I never the more palpably obvious. I didn't have a granddad growing up. All I had was a teddy bear that he left that I convinced myself when I was four was my granddad. Look, there's like one thing all granddads do universally, and that is they'll put you on their knee. Yeah. And they'll make some horse noises and go. And if you're wrestling a match and they catch your eye. They'll shine, they'll a, shine little, a little torch. torch at you there as well, which is great. Uh, he's apparently, he's an old curmudgeon who doesn't understand the wrestling stuff at all. I mean, if he doesn't understand wrestling, he's got no hope understanding PWG. But just to think, he's been there since day one. Hmm. He's there. He was, he's here in this match flashing the light. He was there probably picking up the chairs after Kevin Steen and Super Dragon were knocking them all over. That's like, that's cool. That's amazing. Wouldn't I love cool that. Wouldn't it be cool if it turned out he was actually the true creative innovator of yes, PWG? He absolutely. came up with all the really good ideas. Like, if you wanted to have a big show-closing angle, I'd have Legion Larry <laughs> turn heel, like, and that's it, like, <laughs> the VA hall is shut down. Come on, boys, let's play some cards. I'm born in the USA! <laughs> Having good times with the vets. 
And what I love as well about this, right, this is something you never, never see usually in the, the kind of the man versus woman matches, mm. uh, the intergender stuff, is that he starts cheating to get an advantage. It's not like he gets an advantage by just being stronger. He, like, pokes her in the eyes a few times. Yeah. He, like, he, he uses nefarious tactics to beat her. And it's almost like, because he's like, he can't win as easily as he thought he would in the first place. Yeah. Oh, I think so many wrestlers would never do that. Yeah. Fuck that. Like, can you imagine some of the egos in WWE, like, trying to say to, like, Randy Orton, hey, man, yeah, you're going to, like, cheat this female opponent uh, no. No. no I don't think so <laughs> I mean it is interesting to think about who would be game or who would be cool but I mean if anyone can fantasy book a better intergender WWE match than Miz versus Asuka um, oh! I'll take your answers on the back of the oh! postcard please to uh, the Haiti Wrestling Twitter that's like the other thing that pisses me off when people say that intergender wrestling is like unrealistic or something fucking try and tell me with a straight face that Asuka couldn't beat up like any man yeah she fucking would Ronda Rousey for fuck's yeah, sake seriously seriously there are so many female athletes who could fucking like honestly even like I'd love to see Carmella against a male athlete because oh. I think she could be so like crafty in the way she wrestled yeah that it would be like oh like, you've got such a variety of women on the roster that's what's amazing about WWE is that you do have a great variety for the first time in what seems like forever you've got a lot of different, you know, genres of wrestler in yeah. the female roster, and I would love to see them be let loose. I want to see Becky Lynch wrestle like a half an hour match against a male opponent, and like be all haggard and like broken at the end, mm. but like still got that fire, and that fire is what makes her win. Absolutely! Oh my god! There's just so many things you can do with it. There's a beautiful spot here where Candice she goes off the top rope. He reverses and kind of picks her up into like a like he's gonna do like a big crazy move and she does a reverse hurricane run onto him it's absolutely fucking incredible he then does a big knife edge chop on her now there's a weird one obviously breasts coming into play with the knife edge chop it is somewhat weird when women do it to each other it was something that I think that why is it weird? Well, they used to kind of sexualize it a bit in WWE back in the day where they like you know, lick their hand and be like, What? And, oh, yeah, it was what? proper gross. Like, why lick their hand? Because that's what you do. I don't know. Right, I would do that the other way around. I'd like strike them on the chest and then lick me, as a bisexual woman, <laughs> lick my hand. Oh, you, your sweat tastes amazing. Your life choice. Your life choice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, he chops her, and like, that's it's so interesting because the crowd are kind of like, "Oh!" They're like not sure. How never more evident that there's like a mainly male crowd because if there were mostly women there, they'd be fucking on fire. Because any person with breasts knows that if you get hit in them, it fucking sucks. It's yeah. so sore. It's so fucking sore. It's that's so sore. Why she spat on him? I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> See, like that's the thing. You can use things like that in a non-sexualized way to make like William Regal was saying if you can empathise with the mm. moves and that's the trouble like the average person without breasts isn't going to be able to empathise with the fact that if you get hit in the tits yeah. it fucking sucks <laughs> <laughs> she does the balls plex the innovative manoeuvre into the Mrs. Gargano escape it really feels like, like the last sequence here you really felt like either of them could have won it at any second Trent does his finisher twice the dude buster to put her away I fucking adored this match. You know, I'm sure there are better intergender matches out there and ones that people would say are more epic or, you know, more 
you know, more of a story being told, but I just like this from the fact that this was one of the first in-gen matches I think I watched where it was just playing on some of the tropes, but it wasn't like... They didn't make it weird. It wasn't weird. This was the least weird intergender match I think I've ever watched. I think I would show this to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I like to in theory, but... Yeah. I think, watch this one, and it's kind of like, yeah, we address the size difference. We address the speed difference. We address a lot of that, but it's incorporated in a nice, healthy, wholesome way. I really like this match. It made me really, really, really want to see um, a match that was on not that long ago was Pete Dunne versus Satomura. Oh, fuck yeah. Very, very terrifying Japanese female wrestler. Similar heights as well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. And Pete Dunne actually, he kind of chipped in a bit with the whole intergender discussion because like, obviously people pointed out that he's fighting her and she's a woman. Mm. And he was like, you know, anyone that thinks that that's going to be some kind of easy match for me is obviously very stupid. Like... She's so fucking strong and scary and skilled. It's going to be interesting to see the wrestlers who kind of embrace this. Because mm. if you're talking about PWG and being at the forefront and, you know, being like, here's that hot new style that's going to be coming into flavour. Bowl take for 10 years time, you're going to have intergender wrestling yeah. on WWE. Absolutely. I think when Vince dies. Yeah. I don't, honestly, while Vince is still involved with WWE, I don't want intergender wrestling because like, what are you saying about the fucking licking your hands and touching people's boobs? I think that very clearly means that we need to maybe keep a bit of a distance until we've all grown up a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his, even though his mind is probably still there, I think he is smart enough to realise like he, not to present it like that. No, but even still... There is a long way to go before I think I'd be comfortable with them yeah, doing it. It's women's writers is what you need. Yeah. You need you need some women who can be in there and provide a voice that will make it like the last people who should be coming up with stories for a man fighting a woman is a room full of thirty men. Yes, you exactly. know it's, it's literally yeah. you know, who've all fought men in, as yeah, their jobs exactly for years. <laughs> people who have spent various parts of their life in one way or another pretending to fight other men yeah. and not women and. Mm-hmm pretty much will have the experience of that not being the norm. It needs to be changed, and the change is going to happen on the outside of the WWE and then get assimilated inwards. I kind of like... It seems at the moment they're kind of doing it very slowly in very controlled environments, which I think is quite smart. Yeah. So at the moment, the only real instance we've had in WWE in recent years of like intergender wrestling is, is Ronda Rousey and Triple H obviously being involved. We had some teasing during the Mixed yeah. Match Challenge of you know, stuff is going to happen or like what's the big... you know. I saw like when Charlotte did a few times in her matches where it's kind of like, well, what's the big deal? Fight me then, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of, I can see where this is going in a few years' time. To, to quote Gordon Cole, fix your hearts or die. You know, it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to change. It's going to be the way. And the only difference is it's going to be people like Pete Dunne or people like, you know, Candice LeRae or, you know, Johnny Gargano. The various names that you're hearing in wrestling who are embracing this and trying to take it in new directions those will just be the people who are known as the fucking the pioneers and the mm-hmm. trailblazers and those will be the ones who'll have all that respect from their peers and the fans yeah it's the only difference there'll be mistakes made along the way oh my god will there be of mistakes? course there will be of course be. there will be I can't oh god I'm horrified to think of the mistakes that they'll make I mean you'll get you know there's, there's I've heard stories there's lots of indie promotions who think hey I'll put an intergender match on here that's the hot ticket and they've not thought it through and they've maybe not gotten people who are skilled enough either the man or the woman to work on it together and, and produce something it it's just it's a it's a sensitive subject and it needs to be handled 
very, very carefully. So mm-hmm. I would rather see less of it done well and trying different oh, yeah. things than, like, if I go to an indie show and there's not an intergender match on it, I'm not going to be like, well, fuck this. I'm going to be like, well, I'm kind of rather they didn't if they're not going to do it right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you're going to do it, do it well. So, yeah, I mean, that all being said, what was your rating for for the match? This was definitely my favourite match out of any that we watched for PWG not including the comedy matches that we just watched as kind of mm. like seg- like little clips and seconds yeah, yeah. here and there I gave this three and a half stars I thought it was really really good I thought they were both very obviously skilled mm. at putting across the story they wanted to tell and I feel both of them came across really well I think yeah we'll look back at the stuff that Candice Ray did in PWG as being kind of like pivotal first steps like in a style change or whatnot because I think that she's fucking incredible I was so so impressed I've seen her a lot I've seen her wrestle a a good deal and I think that was the most I was impressed by her I thought it was really really great no big story going into it it was just her and Trent in the ring and they told an excellent story but that gets me on to another thing and something that you asked me and something I really really struggled to answer I talked about Candice LeRae and I was going on how great Candice LeRae was da, 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 da. and you kind of go yeah what other women are there in PWG though Kevin I go well you know Candice LeRae she's out there she's fighting the men it's like she's treated as an equal competitor what about the other women Kevin she tied with Joey Ryan yeah, and other women. he was quite sexy and uh, they, they worked together and Candice she, LeRae yeah is great but what about the other women why aren't there other women in PWG? So well, there aren't other women in PWG? Because like, there's been none so far that we've watched. There have been other women in PWG. Okay. It's not used frequently at all. With the exception of Candice, I don't think there's been many, if any, women at all in the last five or six years. I'm really worried about what the reason is that they've... I, I just know it's going to be really, really stupid. I can't tell you if there's a definitive reason. What there are are some snippets of information that kind of... Turn my stomach a bit in some ways and make me a bit disappointed, but it doesn't leave me without hope mm. because knowing what PWG is and its ethos and the people involved and how it gets put together, that still leads me to be hopeful. Even though currently there's not a lot of women in PWG, I think it there is scope for that to change. But it was something I was like, ah, I'll just ask, non-judgmentally, I'm just going to ask the question, how come? And you know what, it's not just them. Because a lot, you know, until very recently, Progress had no women's division. Ring of Honor had no women's division. You know, in Japan, you don't get women on New Japan, but they have their own separate leagues. So a lot of companies may have viewed themselves as being, well, this is just a men's league. This is, you know, we don't have women's wrestling here. It's not our, our brand mm. or our style or whatever. But as soon as I asked the question, the first three or four comments I got were various reaction gifts, including Andre the Giant's eyes getting very big or various groups of people dropping cups and going, oh God, as if we had asked some sort of forbidden question. (laughs) The ultimate taboo. Someone said, if I remember correctly, they booked a women's match once and it didn't go down so great and therefore Super Dragon decided no more women's matches. Oh, well, there you go then. Fantastic. Isn't it great that one woman can represent all of women? No, no, it was two two women. Oh, know, so. wow. Well, that represents all of women plus the world over then. Now, there was a clip I found. He did a, a an AMA. I think it was either an AMA or just a live Q&A that he did a while ago. He was asked, this is 2012. And keep in mind, 2012, mainstream women's wrestling was viewed as like... You know, women's wrestling got bumped off of WrestleMania that year. There wasn't even any women's wrestling on the card. What? Yeah. So that was kind of like where it was like, we sexualized women in the early 2000s. Now we're bored of them. Now, we're, now we can sexualize them, so you're just not going like, to see them. Like, and when you do, it'll be for like one minute matches. You know, real dark ages stuff there. So 
just, I'm not supposing this is anyone's viewpoint in the company now, mm-hmm. but this is a quote from Super Dragon in 2012. The question was, will there be any more intergender matches of PWG shows in the future? And he said, doubtful. I haven't liked any women's matches in PWG ever, which makes it hard to figure out what to do with Candice nowadays. Now, ever. that's kind of silly thinking that some of her best stuff has come since 2012. Yeah. He has said in the past that because of the cost and expense of paying for flights and stuff like that, that he's only going to put on people that he knows personally will have incredible, amazing matches and that there hasn't been enough women that have been put forth to him as being able to have matches of that style. Now, someone said here, it's it's rubbish. Like, that is total rubbish. If that's a have-I-got-news-for-you answer, if I've ever heard one. I mean, it's not hard to book a woman on your show. It's bloody not. Now, some of the people chimed in and thought what the problem might be is that they viewed that... Because PWG has been, is kind of like the fine wine of wrestling. And, you know, if you squint very closely in most shows, you can see Dave Meltzer, you know, the uh, one-man ESPN of wrestling, there in the background taking notes. And he usually rates PWG very, very highly. Yeah, he but said, notably doesn't really like women, does he? American women's wrestling, he has historically not been as keen on he's given five star matches to Japanese women's wrestling quite a lot and I will say in Dave Meltzer's credit he was one of the main reasons for Joshi wrestling and women's wrestling in Japan getting any sort of attention and play over on this side of the world so he deserves credit in that sense Mm -hmm. and he'll always say that good wrestling is good wrestling regardless but people have said that because they think that PWG might be precious about their match ratings that if they put on a women's match it's not going to get rated highly because Dave doesn't rate women's wrestling highly very much ever even the great stuff you see in NXT he's very cautious to give a lot of Mm -hmm. praise to he's praised the likes of Sasha Banks versus Bailey and stuff like that in the big big matches and whatnot but traditionally speaking he wouldn't be as as keen on so some people think that maybe that's why they don't do it because they're worried about their average star rating going down or something like that that's so punk rock wow that's so cool that's total fucking bollocks like it's fucking, oh, that's so fucking cringe I'm sorry but like if you're this cool punk rock company why do you care about what Dave Meltzer has to say the most mainstream journalist in wrestling that exists he is and I mean it's like I mean I don't even know if they I know he's always at their shows and I'm sure they love the publicity I'm sure they love the praise I don't mm-hmm. know if that is like oh we can't do a woman's match because of what this journalist might say I don't really feel like that's Given how much freedom the wrestlers are supposedly given, I don't think it'd be like, oh God, don't bring any girls in here. We'll ruin what we've got going on. Like Joey Ryan is a big proponent of intergender wrestling. He's the reason Candice LeRae was in there. Does he not know any other women? Does Candice not know any? I mean, she's a fucking incredible wrestler. Why not ask her if you can't find any women? So I don't know if you can necessarily lay the blame at the feet of one wrestling journalist or one booker, but there's definitely a problem there. And I think, honestly, hands up, I couldn't say I'm very, very happy when I found out that's the approach to women's wrestling. And you've got a lot of female fans in the audience, a lot of people on Twitter. You have a female fan base, PWG, and there are incredible women's wrestlers out on the indies. Go to a Pro Wrestling Eve show, you'll see plenty. Go to a Pro Wrestling or a Ring of Honor show, they've got women there too. Why don't you? You know, that's weird for me. Yeah, and honestly, the fact that... 
they only have one woman as well is so like that almost makes it worse for me because it's so uh, othering it's like oh Candice LeRae she's one of the good ones well the gimmick it's, is she's a woman you know yeah, but like that's so fucking condescending to mm. women as a gender like she's a fabulous wrestler don't get oh, me wrong she's awesome but there's plenty of her ilk out yeah, there yeah you're really fucking trying to suggest that there's only one good women's wrestler out of all of humanity you're just gonna fucking land that sexist comment there and leave it stinking like an old fish I mean are there bad women's wrestlers out there of course there are are there bad men's wrestlers out there of course there are the only difference is there's more of them because there's more male wrestlers than there are female wrestlers there is a disparity there you could figure out how to get one fucking match on there I just it makes me sad when I hear about the big argument that's happening in with women's wrestling at the moment is people thinking that other women are undercutting them by offering to fly themselves out to be on shows and promoters, I think, are taking advantage of that fact and thinking, oh, I could put on women's wrestling, look well, and save a dime at the same time. If, like, flights are expensive and that's a fucking problem, yeah. honestly, like, it feels to me so weird that if PWG is that city on the fucking hill, the shining bright light of, oh, where wrestling can go and wrestling can, you know, change its structure and wrestling can be new and different to what you think it is, how can that be looking to the future if you are missing literally the most important part of it right now. And especially given the style of PWG, yeah. that's going to ring true with a lot more women in all likelihood than other promotions. It's probably why you've got people like Gillian Jacobs and Alison Brie and Ronda Rousey yeah. and like, all these very cool kind of female celebrities who are into wrestling. They like this style of the so kind of the silliness and the comedy and... Yeah, was women's wrestling 10 years ago, on average, maybe not up to snuff on your show? Maybe. But you know what? We've seen enough amazing women's wrestling, and women have fucking stole the show at WrestleMania twice this year. Mm -hmm. We've seen enough of that to maybe think a bit differently. And I would just say this to PWG and its, and its fans. Do you really think you want to be in a position where WWE is moving ahead faster and looking to the future more than this fucking hotbed well, of creativity. Because at the I'm moment, sorry, but yeah, they, they are. are. <laughs> <laughs> Might not like that, but mm. it's true. And that's like, it, it's, it really sticks in my craw. And mm. it's kind of like, everyone seems to be like, but we like PWG, so we don't call them out on it. And like, I get it. PWG is awesome. And it's not nice to point out flaws about your cool, fun well, show. maybe it's because my entire job is calling out the shittiness in a thing I love, <laughs> but I have no problem with calling that fucking shit out. It's so rubbish. People, I think, feel afraid to speak on the topic. Because mm. you have to be so deliberately, willfully ignorant, you'd have to actually live under a rock. Yeah. Like, there is no fucking way he doesn't know about it. Of course he knows about the other talented female wrestlers. Maybe he doesn't know that DVDs aren't the primary way to censor, you know? I mean, there's your fucking analogy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you want to be the company that puts out DVDs and no women's wrestling? Come on, for fuck's sake, get, get, in, get in gear. It is literally 2018, yeah, come you on. know? Get with the times. You are fucking incredible with so many things. This one thing, but until then, I don't know if I could say that's what PWG is. And it, no. it, it's kind of like I put an asterisk beside saying it's the future of wrestling asterisks. Because mm. WWE are finding fucking people like Bianca Belair. Yes. These like fucking incredible athletes who are fucking owning their craft on the big fucking stage. WWE is not where that is meant to happen. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I am so glad it is because yeah. at least you can use this this shitty company as an example of look if they can fucking do it with their all male creative team they've enough money already lads <laughs> like come on if anything there's money to be made exactly that's like 
I hate to even use that as a reason, but come on, use your fucking noggin. <laughs> there's there's women with spare income. We're having yeah. kids later and later. We're not getting married because we hate all men. Okay, we've got <laughs> lots of spare money. We would happily throw at people, but not DVDs and definitely not DVDs without any of us on them. I just, you know, I want to see them there. I really do. I really hope that's something that will happen. You know, because I think women could add so much to PWG as well in terms of the innovation and yeah. the, the abstract to- storytelling and things. Like, how could you not see what Candace is doing with the, the various matches that she's been in, the, the feuds that she's been in, and not think we need a bit like, this is, this is, this is why people are talking about the fucking show, like, you know? And so, there's plenty of five-star matches, lads. Like, you know, there's great wrestling happening everywhere. As it stands, it's not enough now to just have great wrestling. No. You know? And you're innovating in so many ways. So I don't even ask you to innovate. I'm asking you just to get with the fucking status quo. You know? Just meet the bare minimum as set by Triple H. <laughs> Triple H. There you go. He's the fucking... He's the progressive person. Like, really? This is what, it's, this is what it feels like when you go to vote every time. It's like, this is the... Fu- <laughs> this is the progressive... Oh, fuck, okay, I guess. Like, come on, guys. We can fucking do this. I beg you. Just consider getting some women on your goddamn shows. Well, rant over. Let's look at some of the fan comments as you all tweeted in and hit us on Facebook with hashtag Hey2PWG. James Leach said, Really what I love most is how it's such a creative hub for wrestlers. From watching WWE, I would never have known that Trent Barretta would become one of my favourite wrestlers, but PWG gave him and Chuck Taylor the platform to experiment and produce incredible comedy moments. I think that's really cool where, like, as well, guys who are well-known in PWG, if they go off, it's always a, a welcome back. Like, Chris Hero had, like, a real rough time in WWE when he first left. He got, like, a fucking hero's welcome in Aww. PWG and was able to very, very eloquently show physically in the ring that his size was not an issue. Yeah. And if anything, it's made it more spectacular what he could do. And, yeah, it's a great platform for wrestlers, like, to come and, like, show what they can do, reinvent themselves as well. It's really important. Yeah. I think so many wrestlers have this innate comedy ability and it's such a shame that only sometimes are allowed to kind of like showcase that. Yeah. Like obviously with the New Day they're all so funny mm. and then Breezango are now getting a chance as well to kind of like really showcase how, how funny they can be but we can go so much further with that I think. Yeah absolutely and I think if you go like if you go to PWG and you learn to find a little bit of humour in yourself that's a fucking that's a blessing because yeah. it wrestlers who you find funny and wrestlers who you feel don't take themselves so fucking seriously are just that's what you want in a, in a wrestler like those are the ones that are easy to, to draw to and the ones that I'm more likely to buy a t-shirt of at the end of the day yeah. <laughs> Reverse TDD said when I first started watching PWG it was like nothing I'd ever seen before it has every single style of wrestling possible it's the place where people like Ricochet Zack Sabre Jr Kevin Owens and El Generico made their name it's truly something special And I think what's really cool about that is that it's almost like it's an omnibus. It's an anthology. Like, you're not going to be able to watch every cool indie that's out there. You know, there's so many indies here in the UK alone that I... I, I want to get more into progress. I struggle to keep up with this. I know there's like uh, Defiance, there's Attack Pro Wrestling. There's so many cool places that are doing cool wrestling. And it's so cool that in America you've got this place now where it just showcases like the cream of the crop. Yeah. Don't, you know, I want to say don't waste your time, but if you want to get a sense of what's out there on the indies and not have to trudge through every fucking indie show, other than going to see a local indie, the best thing you can do is go and watch a PWG show and see what's out there. 
Rickety Zubat says, PWG is a weird one for me, to be honest. The matches are typically of really high quality, but I also struggle with their pretty repetitive booking and decision-making. They also suffered a bit from not really having a regular roster, in my opinion, but they've worked on that. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get... You're not going to get the storylines in there. It's not what the show's about, like, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a consistent roster either because it's like, we, we watched, you know, the, the show we watched start to finish, The Battle of Los Angeles Night 2... It's like literally everyone on there is like now in in NXT. Like, and that's good though, because like guys are getting signed and they're getting better money and, you know, better lifestyle and whatnot. But I think that's just good because if you've not got a consistent roster, it means that people are going to keep rising and trying to. It's so fiercely competitive there. Someone's always going to try and rise up and be the next top star. And wrestling on the indies has been very good at filling the void. Yeah. People are very worried what's going to happen if and when the Young Bucks and Cody leave indie wrestling. Like, it'll leave a big, big hole. But people said the same thing about the last crop of mm. indie guys who got signed as well. So yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I know there is like a big worry at the moment that WWE are sucking up all the indie wrestlers, which they, mm. I mean, they kind of are. They are. But half of those guys go really get released back into the wild. Well, exactly. You know? like, there's, there's always this kind of like the, the circle of life because, you know, there'll be other guys there who aren't being used properly, who will get released, who will then go back to... Like Cody Rhodes, for example, yeah. who obviously was famously stardust on WWE and has now probably done far more success in oh, his yeah. freelance wrestling career than... He's making more money. Definitely making more <laughs> money. Um, I'd say made a bigger name for himself as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you, you do, you get this kind of like yeah it's kind of like an ecology oh very good you know someone who's studied a lot of ecology I'm, I'm very happy anytime I hear that my ears prick up like oh what's this so I'm talking about biomes hey eh? <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean it's true and there's always so many talented wrestlers as well who don't get picked up by mm. WWE because you know maybe they're too out there they're too innovative they're not what they're after just at this moment in time and they'll never sign Chuck Taylor anyway so you'll be grand <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm not too worried yet yeah I think if it comes to the point where PWG can't find people to fill out their show well that would be very very shocking I mean they're yet to have any women on there really other than Candace. so yeah plenty... I mean, I'm definitely not worried in that respect yeah they'll be fine there's plenty <laughs> there's plenty of people out there maybe that maybe we should hire a few more of the men and that might make them think hmm, maybe we should fill out this roster with the other 50% of the population oh no we've run out of men what other <laughs> things are there out there we could try wrestling dogs <laughs> Got some uh, long-form thoughts, comments, and queries over here on facebook.com forward slash howtowrestling, where you should go and give a like, because there's videos going up there all the time, and any episode that you've listened to in the past that you like the sound of a part you think you want to set to one of Adam Bibolo's videos, you should do that by sending us a message, send out a message, let us know. We'll get to working on that. There's a big selection up there. As well as your thoughts on PWG, Jacob Scroder writing in here, PWG should have been the first episode of How To Wrestling. I think he would have shown Joan everything he would have shown Joe after that would have been minus five stars. <laughs> I am really, yeah, I wonder how I would have reacted to this episode as a new fan. It's like kind of, you know, we say at the start, you don't show people the big hell in the cell, the, the, the fucking, the big yeah. crazy TLC matches. I would extend that to don't show my Young Bucks match until they know what, until you know what the thing is that they're subverting. Don't show them the subversion. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Peters here saying PWG is one of those things that it's hard to compare to in any similar endeavour PWG is in format the same way as any other wrestling promotion it is much like bebop jazz is ostensibly the same as big band jazz oh I wish I knew more about jazz mm-hmm. 
Jazz. Jazz. However, much like Bebop, PWG pushes the boundaries of what is possible in the professional wrestling format. Freed from the constraints of agents and bookers, wrestlers are given the freedom to do whatever they can physically do. Listening to shoot interviews and discussions, PWG has always and will always be a wrestler's wrestling promotion. Founded by five Southern California wrestlers, giving them a place to wrestle, PWG has continued to defy the odds by taking the governors off. Wrestlers are brought in to do one thing, and that's to stand out. In essence, PWG is Seattle in 1990, Brooklyn in the 70s, San Francisco in the 60s. It's the place that breeds what the next decade is going to look like. Oh, and also as well, Brandy Jeffries sent us an amazing recommendation. All elbows on Instagram. They're a photographer who does amazing pictures. They've been doing lots of pictures from PWG shows. Mm. If you like big muscle boys in action and beautiful photography, do check it out. All elbows on Instagram. Mm, Thank you. Joe, have you had fun talking about PWG? I have. It's weird though, because like I thought I'd finish this episode kind of like, wow, PWG sure is the best thing ever. And I don't feel that. Do you think it's good oh i definitely <laughs> think it's good the honestly the the bits i liked best were the the little comedy segments that mm. you can just find on youtube like mm. the invisible hand grenade the slow motion stuff there's a lot of silly there's like compilations of pwg funny moments like yeah. that's a great entry point in there to kind of get the style and get you know what it's like there at times yeah but there is a i think there is an edgier side to, to pwg that kind of crops its head now and then we had a fan tell us on twitter about you know, like a real gross instance once where, you know, you had like the young bucks beating someone down and then like Roderick Strong used a, a, a homophobic slur when beating someone down and like he immediately was like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that and everyone in the crowd started chanting it um. and then the young bucks were like, yeah, now go buy our merchandise. And, you know, Meltzer was in the audience, said nothing about it in his write-up. And, of course, everyone... That's so wrestling. And also, it speaks volumes that Roderick Strong, the guy who said it, was the only one who thought, oops, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, yeah, it's just... It's it's wrestling dialed up to 100. Yeah. But bear in mind, that does come with it. Wrestling always has a dark side. Wrestling always has the, the weird bits from the past. Wrestling tries to be edgy sometimes. It doesn't pay off. What it is most definitely is a very bright look into this like if you just look at wrestling purely in terms of a style of what's becoming popular and male wrestlers who are going to become big names in the future if you like the feeling of seeing someone from NXT blossom and do well on the main roster it's like that times a hundred when you see someone from PWG or from the indies get signed and go to NXT and do well and then get signed onto the main roster so there is like a quite a rewarding investment of your time by watching PWG, I think. To me, it feels a lot like the modern day ECW. And I'll be interested to see if I still think that after our ECW episode. Mm-hmm. But like in the fact that it is considered to be very innovative, a bit out there, not everyone's cup of tea by any means. Some people think it's even ruining the industry, yeah. which I'm sure they said the exact same thing about ECW. Absolutely. I'm sorry, time. I thought you were talking about ECW. Oh right no, now. I was talking about PWG. <laughs> but that's the point. It kind of applies to both. PWG is quite polarizing. And even though maybe it's not polarizing for our fan base, wrestling fan base at large, mm. it's gonna you're gonna get real extremes at either end. Much like in ECW back in the day, you either thought it was the greatest fucking thing in the world or it was the biggest piece of shit ever. Yeah. It feels to me that there's no one in the middle in there. And I just think it's not this thing that's destroying wrestling. It's no, not. No, it's, it's not. It absolutely isn't. It's, no, it's the future it of is wrestling. It's the future of wrestling. But it's not perfect. No. And that's not a knock on it. Nothing in wrestling is perfect. There are issues. Can it be better? Absolutely. Will it be better? I am absolutely hopeful that it will be because there's enough 
amazing people involved in that company that that's why I'm confident that it's not a company that I think is going to close itself off to the the onslaught of time they very much have to think on their feet I just hope they do a little bit quicker at times but we've had fun talking about PWG Mm -hmm. you've certainly seen some great matches you've certainly seen some innovation but next episode Joe it's going to be a challenge yeah? yeah, I hope it's got some women because I feel like I've been uh, I've been let down. I need some women in my life. And it's that moment that Kevin realised the timing of the next episode, as it pertains to the treatment of women, may not have been so great after all. We're doing Vince Russo next. Oh fucking hell! What do you know about you? Vince? Don't want me to do this podcast, <laughs> do you? You're full time there, Joe. Then we get to do the spicy Vince topic. Sandman, Vince Russo. You <laughs> <laughs> get all the real spicy takes here, like basically, <laughs> yeah, you're getting the real high end stuff here. Vince Russo. Some consider him to be a creative genius. One of those people is Vince Russo. Uh, He is considered to be one of the most polarizing, controversial figures in the history of wrestling. Some say that he killed wrestling. Some say he killed entire organizations. Some say that he set a tone that dragged wrestling into the muck that it never came out of. Some say he's the reason why they're a wrestling fan. He's the reason I became a wrestling fan. His style is definitely something which will raise strong emotions from the How Tooniverse. Oh, I'm nervous. We are going to be talking about Vince Russo's career, his ethos, his style, his approach to writing wrestling, and a little overview of his role in various wrestling companies, from WWE to WCW to TNA and to his own podcast network. We're going to have a little bit of an analysis of Vince Russo being in the public eye when you are a non-public figure in wrestling. I mean, what info have you got on Russo so far? He's popped up once or twice very briefly. Yeah, I don't know much about him because I think the first time he really popped up was in China's episode. Yes. He obviously spoke at great length after she died about the injustice that was handed to her from WWE. And then, of course, he popped up in war games randomly, (laughs) dressed like an ice hockey player for some reason. Yeah. All else I know about that is, I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, is that fantastic video, which I know we always mention, of Vince Russo's highs and lows from the Ashley podcast. Yeah, you see, the thing about that is I'm going to stand here and if I'm going to say, I'm going to do a balanced, fair, even-handed account of Vince Russo. No, you obviously don't like him and he hates you, so... I've... No, no... I literally said just that when I did that episode and then he blocked me on Twitter afterwards. So he clearly doesn't want to hear any of it. But you know what? In spite of all that, I am going to tell you why he has been a force for good at times in wrestling. And he has done things and parts of wrestling that he's been involved with that I think that you'll appreciate and he definitely has done some good but you know what he's done an awful lot of shit and let's be honest we're going to have a lot of fun because Joe ain't never seen any of those gimmick matches so please use the hashtag how to Vince Russo I want to see Kennel from Hell what is the most obscure thing that could be put on a pole we want to watch as many of the weird ill thought out match types and concepts that he's come together with I mean anyone else want to watch the last rights match I know I do I want to watch Watch a show with Vince Russo, booked start to finish, so you can see it and watch it and give your thoughts. Much like we did with Bola, I want to watch a full Russo show start to finish and see what you think. We might watch an old Russo Raw or an old Russo pay-per-view and see what Joe reckons to it. And I want to watch a shoot interview with him as well, because he's a man who has made his career constantly being at odds and battling his audience. Where does the I'm making a dime 
and having a shoot interview, where does that start and where does the I need a therapist begin? Only you can be able to tell us as we try and delve into the mind of New York's own Vince Russo. And I will say as well, special shout out, I've never listened to his podcast because he blocked me on Twitter. I wasn't able to listen to it, so uh, I couldn't get the links. If you're someone who has listened to his podcast, I have heard rumblings of spicy, inverted commas, takes and some cases of him saying some not-so-nice stuff, often for a controversial headline to get him a a go-around on the news cycle. If you are a listener of his podcast, I would love to hear your thoughts on what the tone is. Let us know your thoughts on Vince Russo. Joe has turned a deathly pale as she realizes that the next couple of weeks are not going to be much fun. It's all right, huh? You're all right, huh? You'll get to see some women. Oh yeah, I'm sure they'll be great, won't they? Well, Up a pole, probably. <laughs> Women on a pole match. Women on a pole match. Book it. <laughs> Until next time, where we'll be looking at Vinnie Rue, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. Thanks for all your thoughts on Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and we'll catch you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya!